Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Previously on Gresh and Fourier. The last team to win back-to-back Super Bowls right. was that 0304 team. Now, if the Chiefs do it, it's not nearly, it's still special, but it's not nearly as unique. You know, the, the last team to win back-to-back Super Bowls can't be the Chiefs. Like, we need something to hold on to. This is Gresh and Fourier. And so right now, it's doing whatever I can to beat a great 49ers team and trying to get that third ring. And then if you ask me that question in like 15 years, and I'll see if I can get close to seven. But seven seems like a long ways away still. Andy Gresh. I was told yesterday, you know, that supposedly Arthur Blank was bought into Bill Belichick and could have offered him the job. Wow, and you're telling me that Bill said no? Legitimately, an NFL executive basically told me that they believe that he, Arthur Blank offered Bill the job. Christian Fourier. Do you know I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions and that is a factor gresh and fourier right now sometimes i want to smack him upside his big fat head (laughs) on weei after hearing that quote from diana russini it makes me wonder if the nfl should just close up shop I just God Almighty! I, I, I wonder. There's oh man. I thought today was going to be like boring and dead, and there would be oh. nothing to get to. But holy crap, that we have a show today. Mike is holy big crap. Mike is big, and Mike spe- might speak directly yeah. to me. He may. We may make oh, eye contact, and he may look right into my heart. And you know what? Do? Here's what I'm really nervous about. He may be honest with me. Oh, oh and his tone, it may be a little bit aggressive, but I won't be able to tell because I'm not really sure. I'm so confused. Whoever is the dope, really, what Diana Rossini needs to do is out that GM. I was just going to say. She needs to out that GM. You finish that sentence because if I, it would be bad. It, it, honest to God, who in their right mind would admit to that like as a real issue I, I, with I, any person in general, I, especially football. I can't. What about basketball? Jesus, you know he's really tall. He's really tall and skinny. I, I, I people are intimidated by him in the in basketball. How did how did Bill Lane Beer ever coach anyone in the WNBA? Considering he was one of the NBA's old school badasses. <laughs> And he was six foot ten, three hundred twenty pounds. Oh what my about, god! Isn't Andy Reid a large fellow? I mean, I mean, does I, every head coach have to be Sean McVay or Mike? Sh- or, oh yeah, or, or yes. Kyle Shanahan. You know what? Star Mike yes. McDaniel. Nope, you you nailed what it. What are we doing? Does every coach need to be Sean McVay? Yes, that that's what everybody's looking. Yup, 
God forbid. And that's hey, a true statement, though. I was Gerard Mayo played in the NFL, mm, so we not know. Not nearly as big and fat, though. No, but we know there's a little bit of, you know, oomph in him from being a player. What if oh, he raises his voice? Oh, my God. What are we going to do? Is it? Is this? Do you, Honest to God. Uh, do you think? I know this isn't what we're going to start with, but no, we have no, to no, finish it off. Yeah, because okay. we, we, yeah, we'll get to it later. It's so stupid. It, is it? Is that just an outlier comment, or do you really think that's the way most GMs, you know executives what? think? Sadly, it's where we're trending in the NFL. That's really? where we're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong-willed, oh, opinionated, want, loud, uh, boisterous, I want talented I, individuals. Yeah, yeah, I want Trent Brown, but I want him to be a perfectly well-adjusted human being who, when he would walk into a room, would understand the difference between ordering chicken tenders and foie gras. That's what it feels like. Yes, everyone now comports themselves in a certain way, and we were all grabbing a circle and... Hold hands and say kumbaya. And if anyone has a a feeling that is out of whack that they need to get out before practice, please come to the center circle and sit crisscross applesauce where we will hear you out to make sure you are in the right frame of mind to go practice today. It is, honest to God, the lamest quote. I've ever heard He's in big my life. And intimidating. Good it is Lord. honest to God. So the guy has to be under five seven. You know, almost. You know, um, you know, Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, a, a metrosexual type of vibe where you're not overly big, but you're not too small. People will walk over you, so you're just the you're just the right height and size, around 185, seven, something like that. You got to peg your jeans. You got you, you got to be a, like a metrosexual, right? So you'll never wear a suit and a tie. You wear like a white t-shirt with like a like a coat with a pocket square, or like some sort of like bomber jacket and like a turtleneck. And there's an assumption that Mike Grable would use that to like bully people around or whatever. It, <laughs> guess what? There are times where larger people <laughs> get amped up a little bit. Like it happens. Uh... There are times. My wife said to me, she goes, I'm understanding you more and more. I go, why? She goes, you look mean and unapproachable. <laughs> and she goes, I've had to deal with that. So I feel like I, like Mike Vrabel, have been shunned because of my size or God I persecuted, really. It doesn't matter or, if you have one ass cheek and three toes. How about that I guy? Or, how about that guy? Or, God forbid, you actually say to someone, you stupid son of a bitch, you don't get it. <laughs> Like, God forbid, <laughs> you actually, like, say to someone, no, that's a stupid idea, and here's why. It is, it is you honestly. You have to clean it, it up now. That, that, and, and you know, I've, I've gotten pretty good at this crap. The whole, you know, well, you know, we need to just shape this idea a little bit. Yeah. You know, we can shape it and make it work. We can, you know, other than, no, that's dumb, and we're not going to do that. Can't do that anymore. God forbid. And I'd like to think in the football environment, maybe, just maybe, there are still coaches who get to walk up to a player and say, stop doing it that way. I told you a hundred times. Versus, now, Timmy, we've gone over this, and we even put it on a piece of paper for you. And da, 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 da. Oh, even like, and even like with the with the little drop that. So uh, the Nick hyenas played. better get out of the way. No, nope. how about that guy? Nope. Is nope. there a more intimidating, large, down. intimidating feature coach in the NFL than Dan nope. Campbell? He's got to calm and suddenly down. Suddenly, Mike Vrabel 
is too fat and large and intimidating to be. When you see your players give all that they have and you lose that way, it's tough. Oh, I know what it is. Hold on. Here's the difference between Dan Campbell and Mike Vrabel. Campbell's a crier. He wears his, he lets you see his emotions, oh. so he's vulnerable. So it's different. He's not as intimidating because he's vulnerable, right? He's self-aware. You know, like he's not afraid to, to show you, his, his... He lets his, you see the other side. Yeah, yeah, look at you guys. I'm not a big toughie, right? Like I'm a, I'm a big softie. I cry just like everybody. I'm emotional. I'm an emotional wreck right now, but I'm going to yell at you tomorrow. So, th- so there's he's more acceptable than Mike Vrabel, who will never, ever show that side. My God. Period. So Dan Campbell is accepted. Mike Vrabel isn't. What a way wow, to start. we broke it all down. What a way Absolutely. to start. There we go. Thanks to uh, Diana Racine for that bull crap. She's always I'm got sure something. Well, her and Vrabel apparently there's something there. There's There's got to be know. like, let me rip him as, me- as much as possible. Whatever it let is. Let me torpedo or, his career. Or you gave me bad info. I don't know. Or you, won't, I, oh, you don't I, give I, me any info. Oh, there could be that too. Um, but yesterday was the... It's not even called the Super Bowl Media Day anymore. Did you notice this? No. No, last night was, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NFL's opening night for Super Bowl 58. (sighs) That's right. What a joke. So last night was opening night. And, uh, well, I will say this. If you're in Vegas and you have a big event and you need an MC or an announcer or someone like that, There's only one guy to turn to in Vegas. It used to be Michael Buffer. Now it is Bruce Buffer, the voice of the UFC, who they put right out at like, you know, midfield or whatever. And he did he did the announcements last night of the teams coming in. Nick, what do we have first? Kansas City? Let's do the KC one first, because they were out first. Hailing for the home of Peace Kingdom, Kansas City, Missouri. With a regular season record of 11 wins and six losses, led by Coach Andy Reid, presenting the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City He almost didn't didn't make it. That is the way Michael Buffer, whenever there's a main event and there's a champion coming up, Bruce Buffer, whenever there's a champion coming in, he does the rating. And when you're at a UFC event, it is like a peak right before a main event to to hear uh, Bruce Buffer do that. That was actually like a... That was... So that was... uh, That was announcing the champion. Yeah. Um... Okay, because uh, it's it was definitely a um, 49er home game for them. Well, yeah, I, I would think that uh, for the Niner fans, you hop in the car, you're out there. Yep. I do believe it was. I don't know if you even had to buy a ticket for this. I know when they sounds very looks very when circusy they, when they started to do oh, some of this Cirque stuff in Indianapolis what or is. whatever. You know, they opened it up to the to hayseeds and the window liquors and all that kind of stuff and. Let them in there. You know those people that like press there. Yeah. No, but you see the, that at Circus Dole all the time. Oh well, listen, Circus Dole has unbelievable <laughs> donuts. And then here was uh, Bruce Buffer with the 49ers. Hailing from San Francisco, California, 
with a regular season record of 12 wins and 5 losses, yeah. led by Coach Kyle Shanahan, 5-time Super Bowl champion. Tell me Whoa. if it was if if it was Bruce Buffer announcing the Patriots coming in on uh, on Media Day back then that you wouldn't have gotten the goosebumps. Uh, totally different experience. Totally different experience. I, I I'm amazed like how he's able to do that without his voice cracking. And how does he kind of get to like okay I got to say San Francisco 49ers. So sure. let me go San Francisco. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he just yeah yeah. Listen, I get listen. He gets hey, listen, paid a lot of money to do like say, the, the, you the least me, amount of labor in the you, history you, of the world. You give me fifty grand, I'll eat beans to fart that out. I'll tell you that right now, brother. I was announced one time by his brother. Oh, by he, Michael Buffer. Yeah, he announced us. He when announced me in, when you were in WCW. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> he he introduced every single starter at the Hall of Fame game, like in nineteen ninety six. Six. Is that right? So, oh my yeah, god! And I was so the offense for the Seahawks was introduced. Oh, he we introduced every single guy. Yeah, it was like really cool. But it was Michael Buffer. It was Michael Buffer. So he is yeah. much more. He is uh, he's much more smooth. Yeah. and melodic. Whereas Bruce, he gets like. There have been times where I've even like tweeted out videos or put out videos on Instagram where in between fights they're playing music. Like Buff is down by the cage dancing. Like looking at people talking and dancing with him and stuff. Like the guy is fantastic. No, it's, it was like it just that whole night. He's Mister Vegas. And yeah, then, yeah, uh, yeah. And then how much of that did you watch afterwards? I I, I oh, caught well, a little I, bit. I was in and out of it. Uh, but there was something that was said during the interview process uh, by one of the players of the Chiefs that I would like to. I don't. Uh, this like you agreed with me anyways. Hold on. And this is why I said the 49ers yeah. have to win. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get to something that uh, Taylor Swift's husband said. <laughs> I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey said uh, coming up. We've also got some uh, stuff from Sam Kennedy to get into as well. Boomer Esiason said what about Bill Belichick? We got to get to that and. Uh, Pennywise, pound foolish in the way of Jacoby Myers. So much to get to with you at 617-779-7937. Now, back to the guys. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Make sure you're uh, following us on the YouTube. That's right. You can get us on YouTube. In fact, you want to see all the video and the audio that goes with everything as well. Coop does a great job with that. Uh, Make sure you uh, subscribe. To the uh, Gresh and Fourier page on YouTube. Subscribe to the WEEI YouTube page as well. And, of course, you can make it real easy on yourself. Download all the great Gresh and Fourier podcasts. Billy Lanning slaves over getting those ready for you. Lickety split and getting those up at uh, the Odyssey app and at WEEI.com. 
Well, I know that I've already seen a couple of people in the Twitch chat foyer with the, oh, I can't wait for the Super Bowl to be over. I don't want to hear about Taylor Swift anymore. I don't want to hear about Travis Kelsey anymore. Da, da, da. Well, it ain't going away. However, we start with something that Travis Kelsey said that uh, pertains to the football field. Yeah. During his media, you know, they all, they still do the entrance. And then they do a little like they do. They all have the, the superstars have their own little 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 booth, right? So for those who don't know uh, what it is, it, it used to be where there wasn't the pomp and circumstance in the Fourier days. It was you had fifteen people who had their own little. Just envision it like a a kissing booth, yeah, or a lemonade booth in or a dunk uh, the a peanuts. dunk tank. There you kind go, of like a dunk like tank. That. Now, minus a little thing where now while that would go on, the rest of the people who were trying to avoid the media at that point in time would go hide out in the stands. Well, you can't do that anymore because now they're allowing people to come in at 10 bucks a whack or whatever because the NFL's turned it into making money. So now it is just this. uh, There's no other way to describe it from a media standpoint. It's kind of like a giant pig F where. You've got these people that you can go stand in line to wait to try to get a quote from, or you could walk over to the second tight end or the third offensive tackle or whatever and be able to carry on a conversation with them if you want to. But you, do you remember why I didn't want the Chiefs to win yesterday? Do you remember what, what my main reason was? Something, no. Because what, <laughs> I the tried Patri- to remember. what the Patriots did, the, the only real record that the Patriots have right now. Oh, is this the back-to-back year the thing? Back-to-back year oh, thing. Oh, yeah. That's, that is what I, what I based on what Travis Kelsey said, I guess it's a tier. A it's tier? A, it's a tier in the NFL like legacy a, department. Like, where, a, like a tier after you buck no, no, somebody? No, no, not a T-E-A-R, a T-I-E-R. This is something that... The, the the Chiefs would like to be part of. Here's what he said. You know, there's a certain uh, tier of teams in the NFL that have gone back to back, and you know, it's uh, I've been on a mission ever since I won my first Super Bowl. Uh, we we made it back to to the Super Bowl the year after 2019. Obviously, lost to the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's motivated me to get back to this point right here. So um, you'll hear me say this a lot, but I want this one more than I've ever wanted a, a Super Bowl in my life. And it's because uh, the type of team we have, the people that we have in this thing, but also because that tier of uh, teams that have done it twice have uh, gone down in history as uh, some of the greats. Yeah, that is it's a I, party now, for one. I don't. Nobody wants the Chiefs anywhere near this tier level. You know, I uh, I wonder about that. If there's a team that is worthy of being there, like this is one of sure. Them. This is this is it. Here's what it is. It would be crazy. <clears throat> If, say, Philadelphia were the team that went, like, back-to-back years and won it. Because, to me, I don't look at them the same way I do Kansas City. Kansas City has the dynasty feel. Like, when the, when the history of the NFL is written, and you and I are long gone, you're going to have the Packers, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Patriots. Broncos. And the Chiefs are going to be in there. I know the Broncos went back-to-back two years in a row. But how many people forget about them in part because you guys came along and you were a dynasty and did it. Like when the Broncos were going through theirs, you could look at the run of Elway in Denver and say, 
Well, that was that era because it was Elway, but you would never describe it a dynasty, even though they did go back to back. No, I'm with you. It was a moment in time where they had that quick little, like, we call it a, just literally a two year window where they were dominant. But after that, they never, they, they it struggled. Apart. Right? Shane Sharp left. It wasn't Everybody Elway left. Retired. Elway yeah. retired. You know, this one's for John. Right. And secretly, I guess this is just my personal version of the Miami Dolphins' undefeated season, right? Because there's the good, there's the great, and then there's, you know, the upper tier where it's just really, you know, party of one. I don't personally want the Chiefs part of that to be able to say that. And I think it's about just protecting how special that is first legacy was hmm. because i look at it the patriots uh you know career i mean the, you know the organization the last 23 years it's really three parts there's the beginning the middle and obviously the end well let me ask you this do you think the tier that uh travis kelsey refers to is more of the we join that group but we're not the best in that group. You know what I mean? Well, no, like, no, that's exactly they, what he means. Yeah, but the, we don't want him part of the group. Yeah, I, uh, honest to God, it doesn't bother me. I, I understand. Of course, it's not, of course Hold it on. doesn't bother you. I, I under I, no, no, no. I but totally I, understand. But I understand why it would connect with you more. I figured you would have more of an objection if it was a team that felt like. Uh, Say Brady's Tampa team went back-to-back, and then now they've kind of... Now, I know they made the playoffs this year, but come on, everybody denigrates the Belichick playoff year with Max, so why wouldn't I denigrate the Tampa run this year in getting there with someone different? Ha-ha. But you get my point is that that Tampa team, if they went back-to-back, that's the one where everybody would look and be like, well, Brady went there. It was a moment in time. It's not like they're a legendary franchise type thing. Yeah, and listen, I didn't want the Patriots to go back-to-back ever. Really? I didn't want them to win back-to-back. No, I want that specific era, that 03-04, that team, that that beginning, how it all started, to be special and, more importantly, unique. And that's why, you know, when you look about, like, how the legacy crumbles and how how it really loses its value. Yeah. When other teams start doing the same things that you did. Well, I think every decade there is a team that kind of goes back to back. Is there not? I mean, if you think about it, in the 60s it happened. In the 70s, why I'll always say the Steelers are at the top of this tier is because they did it twice in six years. That's amazing. Yeah, they went back to back and then back to back again. Back to back. Mm, and And then I think... One of those years is when they lost to the Raiders, when the Raiders finally broke through or something. But anyway, so the Steelers did it twice. In the 80s, was it the 49ers who did it? Then you had the Cowboys. So I feel like every decade has that one team that went back-to-back, but were they legendary? Because Denver would be the example of all those teams that we would, talked about would, where they're not a real legendary team, even though they had a legendary quarterback. Yeah, but the other aspect of this, they selfishly, is obviously uh, recognizing how unbelievably hard it is to get to one Super Bowl and win and how much has to go into going to another Super Bowl and not only getting there but winning again. So that, to me, is a, is a tier that he's talking about. Like, you're, you're in rarefied air to not only go but to be able to win it back-to-back years. So much goes into it. And that was, that was like bragging rights for any of the guys on, on, on those squads that were able to do it. And... You know, I, I just feel like that is something that not necessarily, you know, takes away, but also it's the air of parody, right? 
Like, wouldn't you say the last 23 years, 25 years, it was the era of parody? Hey, we're going to create a league mm-hmm. that doesn't allow a team to dominate. We are not going to have, we're going to have free agency. We're going to have, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have a salary cap. We're going to have a guys being able to leave. We're going to do all this stuff. So there isn't one team that just dominates. We're going to take away the power of one team to just be a legacy team. Good luck. We're going to allow teams, you know, to be good right away. Right. And we're, so the, the longevity that the Patriots are having, pfft, no. And here come the Chiefs now. And now they're in a hot run. Yeah. Like, and they're just not in a hot run. They're in a dominant run. I mean, again, Patrick Mahomes even has Tom Brady. That Tom Brady has slayed Patrick Mahomes along the way in the AFC and in the NFC during this, which I think does add another layer of kind of intrigue. Say Patrick Mahomes has another 13 years in him or whatever, right? Say he gets to 2035 as the top quarterback in the NFL. When people still look back, Tom Brady's name is going to be attached to that guy as well. You couldn't slay him. You've had this great career, but even you, Mahomes, even you couldn't beat Brady. No, no. He was supposedly an old man. But that's why I think this group is worth it. Like, when I think of the back-to-backs, I never think of Denver. I never do. I should because I've been I, I'm same. Same. I forget about them completely. Because they're not in this kind of decade-long run like the other teams were for most of those dynasties. Yeah, and so I just thought it was funny when we had just talked about it yesterday, and I see him recognize it. Like, this is a thing the team wants. They want to be recognized with the greats of all time. Now, the only way to do that, listen, you can go to the Super Bowl a million times. Nobody gives a crap. Nah, You're yeah. the Buffalo Bills. Ask it doesn't. Elway. Nobody gives a crap. Yeah, yeah we, Elway was doing we're, it. Also, we're sitting here almost not laughing, but it's almost like we're poo-pooing their back-to-back wins with that guy. And he was like what 38 years old or whatever yeah. it was. Where we should be looking at it a little differently. And it was eh, okay. They're the group that gets forgotten about. Yeah. So I just it's thought that was amazing. interesting. I just no, like good I, point. I selfishly and if I polled, if I was to poll all the guys that we had on oh, yeah. our show, yeah, like the whole look back i should text them all and be like uh like i don't even know how i would ask you like do you do you want the Chiefs to lose because of this do you want me to formulate the question for you i should just group message message. hey we're doing a poll right now and we need your (laughs) we would like your vote to be counted Uh, let's go all uh let's go all election on yeah we want your vote to be counted. Get it back to Fourier's phone by <laughs> Friday at four p.m. Or we could just like we could just create like a a, a tweet and then just the at mention all of them. Uh, uh, that'd be a lot. <laughs> Do they all check their twitters? Well, don't don't you like you check your notifications? Like you see you that should. there's uh, there's there's action going on. Like you're right. trending. There's a big question out there. And how about this? <laughs> like, oh, what? If, I would love for someone like to go up to Travis Kelsey and say, "Hey, there's this whole." Uh, there's this, uh, you know, there's this whole like, you know, uh, thing out in New England where none of the former players of the Patriots want you guys to win because they don't want you on their level. Oh my God, I can understand it. And I again, am openly saying I do not a, want them on that he, level. Uh, the six three zero Chiefs are legit, Christian, but I totally get why you don't want them to win. But they do belong. That is the one thing is that if they do get there. They, okay, they come are on. no, no. They're at come least on. I know you're in the club. All right, so you can boot the Broncos out, and you could let yeah. the let the Chiefs in. Okay, uh, because I'll tell you what would be real interesting would be a, another Super Bowl loss for Patrick Mahomes. 
Because I want, I mean, Stephen A would be doing mental gymnastics. Need him to lose. Dominique Foxworth would probably not work on ESPN for a week so that he wouldn't have to, you know, put the bad mouth on Mahomes Here's or the anything thing. like that. They're going to win. Oh, Let's I, just say it. They're, they're going to win. They're going to win. I'm already just getting used to it, like just saying it begrudgingly. They're going to win because are, it is we, the— What are we is, putting on this? It, uh, okay, well, usually this backfires also. There's another sign. <laughs> this usually backfires, and then I just lean into it. It's the Brady effect. And you, you know, it, it's funny, though. You could say, hey, hell, Brady lost Super Bowls. Brady lost a lot of Super Bowls. He wasn't perfect. Uh, so no, Mahomes, you can lose no, just but, as many. Montana never lost. No, but uh, Brady wasn't down 31-10 in the fourth quarter the way he was. Like, you know, Brady left the field with leads at least at no, some point in the fourth quarter. I think there are, are, there are tears to this thing, you know. There's levels to this deal we do. Boomer Esiason uh, said that Bill Belichick turned down the Atlanta job. Where do you land on this? Ooh. Okay, so... So we were we had it wrong. We were wrong all along. It wasn't why wow, I can't believe Bill didn't get a job. Like no one would hire Bill Belichick. No, that's not true at all. They just, you know, they couldn't land him. He decided he didn't want the job. Like is that isn't that what Boomer said? Didn't he say, do we have the sound of what he actually said? Let me, right, let me hear it real go. quick. I was told yesterday, and I I do believe it from the source that I got it from. You know, that supposedly Arthur Blank was bought into Bill Belichick and could have offered him the job. Wow. And you're telling me that Bill said no? I, you know, and I don't know why. Again, I don't know why guys say no or, but I'm, I'm legitimately an NFL executive basically told me that they believe that he, Arthur Blank offered Bill the job. Okay, so it started with could have offered him the job, and then it said basically it was Florio like, yeah, it was like, some... okay, so and and they believe they don't know they believe that Arthur Blank again. This is another like, hey, kind of could be maybe they believe they they don't know, but they believe that Arthur Blank offered him the job, then Bill turned it down. If Bill did turn it down, it was because it was. Would you like to be the head coach? Yeah. And then that, and then, and it was, and he was like, oh, this isn't going to work out. Right. Exactly. Which I could see I, me happening. Yep. Hey, listen, thought it would work out. You guys want something else that I can't give you. Mm-hmm. But it, it initially, it, it read as, holy cow, they were pushing for him and he said no. Well, it felt like there were almost two different sets of interviews going on in Atlanta. There was Arthur Blank, who before they interviewed anybody, he had dinner with Belichick. And then before a second round of interviews for people, Arthur Blank had a second dinner with Belichick. So I I wonder if the owner, who again, every owner retains their right to tell their people, nope, this is what we're doing. Uh, Arthur Blank may have had something in mind. And then everybody else in the building who was job scared had something else in mind. And again, now Arthur Blank can sit there and just be like, all right, three years from now, if this group... I bought into all y'all, and if this group ain't got it done in three years, I don't care how nice Raheem Morris is and how much I love him, y'all going to go. Yeah, how, like, that is realistic, though, right? Absolutely. That could all be entirely plausible. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the way the narrative was crafted was that 
Bill was just so, you know, stuck in his ways and he wouldn't change. And, you know, he was demanding all these things and he wasn't going to alter his way of doing business. And all these guys in, you know, the front office of the Atlanta Falcons were all going to be pushed out and become and become irrelevant. Right. Like none of that is more like unlikely than him just saying, you know what? Listen, um, I respect you. Sounds like a great opportunity. This is not for me. I'll wait. And I think that is where Bill Belichick does understand leverage because he's still, okay, you left New England, that's fine. You were kind of in the job search. Now, Bill Belichick is the guy that every owner who wants to scare the hell out of their head coach into an 11-win season ends up using behind the scenes. Or more importantly, maybe some of those guys feel the heat even though nothing is said. Oh, man, Bill's out there. You know, if you're Mike McCarthy or if you're someone, you're like, oh, I'm hot under the collar. Wonder why that is because they know that there's a dark night standing there lurking and Literally. waiting for their owner to just go, all right, come on in. We'll do it your way. Let's go. And Jerry Jones might be a step away from that. And that's the scary thing is that you give Bill Belichick someone who's going to have the strong will to say, hey, you only gonna be here a couple years. Just give me one, and we'll be we're good. Gonna, we'll we're be gonna good. Go. We're gonna go. I'm gonna spend my ass off. I'll give you, you go twenty million dollars if That's you right. win. It. Hey, listen, I'll give you. I, I, your friend Jimmy got a nice bonus for me on his way out the door. Give me a cup championships. You never know. Just <laughs> I could see that happening. And uh, Jacoby Myers confirmed yesterday out in uh, Las Vegas that there was a one million dollar difference between the Raiders. And the Patriots, and they didn't budge for the guy. Not that's surprised a, at that's all. That's a whiff. That's a massive whiff. Yeah, but who does and it? And a whiff. So does that just get pinned on Bill or some of the people that are left behind who are now, might be, maybe, allegedly, we don't know, the guys who are going to go run the personnel department? It's, that's on Bill. Was there was there Absolutely. anyone was there anyone in there who was willing to stand up to him or were they just like yeah no we see the same thing but well Bill did that one you know I'd have given it to him now do we have the revisionist history of the people that are left behind down there who were a little ooh I'm gonna justify my existence and that I wasn't in the silo or anything like that well basically those guys are and I know we got a break real quick but I, those guys are working off. Like his script. Here's mm-hmm. what I want. Here's where I want us to be disciplined. We're not going to do this. And they just say, well, you know, Bill's already given me the plan. I can't do it. Now, if those guys are free to do what they really want to do without any restrictions from Bill, it'll, it will be interesting to see how far they're willing to go with not top-tier players who obviously everybody are wants. Are you going to pay more for the middle? Yes, which pay for the Bill middle. Which Bill did, no. which was a part of their which, success. Which is like, I know, but it's also the, the bulk of your team. That's the bulk of your team. That Those are the guys that you need to make sure you treat right. So if you were 32, you'd be looking very different at this organization than when you were uh, 28 or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. I think out. so. Yeah, they would have been like, ooh, this Fourier guy. Oh, wait, he only wants a million? Nah, let's give him two. I'm good with a million. <laughs> just <laughs> no, hide it. No, they're willing to give you more. Just, just hide yeah, it. Just hide it. <laughs> Uh, well, a guy who we know has millions and an organization that we know that has multi-millions of dollars uh, sent their truck full of equipment off yesterday, and Sam Kennedy got hit with a zinger of a question standing out at some intersection near Fenway Park. <laughs> You'll hear that next. 
No matter where you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI. I know that if you leave Boston, Massachusetts at noon on a Monday and you drive straight through, I do believe you can make it to Fort Myers in 24 hours. If you got multiple drivers, you can stay right up. No, so, but there's isn't there like a rule with like, uh, you know, like truckers? Like you can only go a certain amount of time. Then you have to break and you have to have a rest stop. And then right, you can only drive like a well, certain amount of hours per law. Now. Well, this is big league baseball. We well, skirt, but it's not we smoking the, the bandit anymore where you just, you know, cross state lines. No, but if you get two people in the front of the truck and somebody drives eight hours, they go to a choke and puke. They load up. They take a half hour break. The other guy jumps in. He goes eight hours. They stop at a Bucky's in North Carolina. They switch again, uh, and uh, there you go. Okay, all and right, done. Yeah, so we should go pretty quick. I would, I would think that they could be there by uh, tomorrow, but the truck has left Fenway Thank Park, God. full of equipment and toys. Nobody and- cares about when he comes back. Right, no, there's not as much fanfare or excitement when when the oh. when the truck actually returns home. No, there's not that's this true. like, oh my god, you made it! You know what? Woo! I need you to text Rochi and ask him how come he doesn't have the same excitement yeah. when the truck gets back. Because really, than it was when they're out there. Isn't that the more important, more exciting time? Like, hey, the bull back. crap is over. All the stupid spring training is done. The st- yeah, you're playing Northeastern, awesome, right? You want the truck to to come back home for opening day. That's when you should welcome your, you know, you know, the, the return of the fallen heroes thing, whatever it is that they do. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll talk to Sam Kennedy about that. Oh well, uh, poor Sam Kennedy. I tell you what, if you want to feel sorry for somebody, it shouldn't be Bill Belichick. It shouldn't be any of these other guys. It should be Sam Kennedy. I compl- he I- is now becoming. I don't know what the word would be like, the poster child for failure and gaslighting and all those things rolled up into one. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. What do you think that yearly paycheck is for oh, Sam? stop it. I know he gets paid a lot you of money. You mean to tell me you wouldn't dance in the middle of an intersection the way Sam Kennedy had to yesterday answering <laughs> questions for that kind of money? That I'd be sitting here going, oh, boy, I feel really bad for Fourier. <laughs> you know, he only gets a couple million bucks a year to stand there and are you kidding me? It is. Wah, well, listen. Wah, 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 wah. There are lots of people who would sign his. Of course, everyone. Listen, no, don't Sam look at Kennedy it. Don't look at it as a on. normal. You no, think? Sam, well, he may have been. Oh, he, he may have been. He now is. you don't think it's changing for him? Absolutely not. Oh, I think so. No, because Absolutely. everybody, everybody knows he's just a want, want, want. I know he's not but, making the decisions over there. So. Yes, I agreed, and he was usually, you know, insulated from like harsh criticism because everybody knew he wasn't really making any real decisions, yeah. and you know, he was literally just, you know, paraphrasing long-windedly. Okay, you know, everything that like his answers were so long, it just he, people lost interest. But lately, I think his the perception on him has changed a little bit. I think most definitely, like I think that Warner and Henry have have done him no favors, and now because every time he talks. And of course, like, am I am I feeling sorry for him in in a big You're scheme a of things? No, I understand. No, but it is like he is just now. He's a target. He just sits. They waltz his butt out there. He makes excuses. He 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 gaslights you. He does. It's the, just he does the job. And he's becoming horrible at it, though. Well, here's the thing. It, it, in uh, in pro wrestling, they have like the bad guys who have the heat, and you want to see that guy lose, right? And then they have something called go away heat. 
It's a little bit of the Mac Jones kid. I don't want to see your face. Go to your room and just get away from me for tonight. There's a little Sam Kennedy has the go away heat of a bad pro wrestler. People now will see him and just be like, okay, here comes Sam to tell us whatever they want us to hear or whatever. But everybody deep down knows he's not the cause for it. He's just the guy smart enough to collect the giant check to go be the mouthpiece out there. Hey, want to give me three million a year and stick a bunch of pins in me like I'm a voodoo doll? Woo-hoo! Well, so this a lot last, of people this, walk around with bloody shirts if that were the case. This last one that we're gonna that we have to, we have to play at some point, either now or after or after the break. I just wish at some point in time he would just be honest and just really just. You know, he got a little bit of that winter weekend with Curtis when he's calling everybody a liar. I rather him go full on, just go screw you, you entitled brats, you just whiny bitches. I just wish he would just unleash. Like yell at the fans and just like because it's the same thing over and over again. And this last, if you want to do an hour afterwards? We don't want to do it. Let, I, I, I got a, I got a comment on it. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to it next because uh, we were gonna uh, circle back on the uh, Diana. Let's Rossini, do that too. This, stuff. This, the Sam Kennedy thing takes a second. Nah, I'm not sure. No, there's, I promise. Some, I promise. No, it'll no, take no, because I got some stuff too. Oh. Would he shut me down too? I wasn't sure. Only Christian's thoughts on Sam Kennedy are next. <laughs> Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Crash and Fourier on WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. Have the Red Sox weathered enough of the storm so far? I'm not so sure about that. 1101 Gresh and Fourier. We will get into uh, some more uh, football stuff coming up as well, including Roger Goodell to just, oh, my God. I know that, that Roger Goodell. It's a hero now. He will have heat in this region forever because of stuff he has done. But uh, there's just a certain part of Roger Goodell (laughs) that just doesn't see the forest through the trees when it comes to certain things. And we'll, we'll get to it and unpack it because we were talking about Sam Kennedy. And uh, if you saw the video, we were kind of joking around about it. They literally, am I wrong in saying this? They literally set up like a little microphone thing on like a street corner, it felt like. It it actually looked like it was in the middle of the street. I I couldn't believe it. And they kept, and they didn't stop traffic. Well, it's because they close off all the roads around there. It must have been like. People were just walking by randomly, like didn't know what was going on. Hey, why are they yelling at this guy in the big, long, like, you know, know, park of Red Sox coat? I uh, was it that cold last yesterday? Uh, it was it was cold oh, okay. enough to right. you know. Again, even though I got 
some natural insulation left still. The whole biting wind and all that. I can't deal with the cold anymore. I just, I can't deal with it. Every room I go into and I turn it up like 72 like an old. <laughs> Especially in here. Well, it's very menopausy here. Uh, it's up, it's down, it's high, it's no, low, it's it, cold, it's warm. Nah, it's Gregopausy is what yeah, it is. Okay, well, nah, he yeah. fits the, he fits if, the uh, you know, if the, he's the demo. A, if he's feeling a little thick or is having some meat sweats or whatever, yeah. then it gets knocked down a little bit. Uh, if it's, uh, you know, if it was a seafood tower night the night before, then it's a little warmer. But uh, Sam Kennedy did get hit with a very direct question yesterday at the Truck Day send-off, and... You be the judge if he actually answered it. What do you say to the fans that think you're more concerned with making money in Fenway Park a tourist attraction than actually a winning team? Look, we've uh, been here for 23 years, and um, those types of uh, comments and, and that narrative, we understand uh, it's a direct result of not winning uh, the last couple of years. And um, we've got to get back to winning. So that's our that's our responsibility. It's on us when we when we don't succeed as an organization. So um, it's a reflection of how passionate the fans are, um, <laughs> and uh, we we understand that there's only one thing for us to do, and that's do the right things and start winning some baseball games. Okay, so uh, no, he didn't answer the question, and he never does. Um, but the whole like uh, it's a reflection of how passionate the fans are. That's that was his words. That's what kind of made me chuckle. Like, here comes this guy. we kind of already done the whole Fenway experience thing. They've already kind of addressed it. Here comes this guy, cheap shot from the top ropes. You know, I didn't even recognize his voice. Sounds like a guy that, you know, maybe it's just passing through. Oh, who what the do you hell mean? Knows? You mean the guy who asked the question? The guy who asked the question. No, you know who it was? I, I, I don't know who it was. Wasn't, but I, was it I, Sean Adams I, or McAdams? No, I don't think it was anybody on the baseball end. I think it was uh, just I think. a random guy working for ABC that was just, hey, go get a question out there on Sam Kennedy. Make sure it's biting. We can use it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, you, you go hey, listen, ahead. It doesn't matter. Here's, here's, here's the line that gets me. The whole... Reflection of how passionate the fans are. I can tell you, if I'm Sam Kennedy, that the next time I answer a question like that, it's going to be, this is the reflection of how spoiled you guys are and how stupid you are and how a bunch of, you're just a bunch of sheep listening to all these other people bitching and moaning and complaining. Like, that's really what he wants to say. Go stuff. Stuff it up your rear end. Do you really think he wants to say Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you look at him like he think he's like just meek and quiet and passive. But I think eventually you get sick of dealing, which I would consider if I was him, a bunch of whining, bitchy babies. But are the whiny, bitchy babies wrong? Hey, what do you feel about the Fenway experience? Well, it's a reflection of how passionate our fans are. And we just got to get back to winning and all our problems are going to go away because you guys will still you guys will be happy now. We'll spend money. We'll win. And you won't complain about the Fenway experience. See, here's the thing, is that I understand that this ownership group put a ton of money into Fenway Park, and they're proud of what it has turned into. Yeah, there's, okay? a, there's a vegetable garden up there by the sweets. But when you also promote it as that's a part of the experience, for people here, that's where you lose folks. And, you know, Sam Kennedy tried to do the backhanded compliment of the, well, it's really about how passionate the fans mm, are. You guys. How about this? Irrational, but you're passionate. 
I knew that Fenway Park was a museum the first time I walked in there in the mid-90s in a game where the Kingdome caved in and they played Seattle up here. And it was $10 tickets and A-Rod made his debut and all this stuff, right? I knew I was sitting in a museum. When you go out of your way as an organization to pump up the fact that, oh, it's the living museum and people want to come here and that's why we have these tours and da-da-da. If you just left that out of the narrative and didn't stand there to promote it like it's Disney World and it's one of the rides or Epcot that you would stop in and go to, then maybe people like me and you and others would stop focusing on that. But in down years when it's, well, you know, Fenway's a living museum. Yeah, no S. Wouldn't you rather have, the honestly, wouldn't you rather have a more combative spokesperson? In this city, not, maybe combative was was too strong. No, but, combative you know, is the but. Someone... I'm gonna I'm gonna check you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and forth with you. You're gonna say what you want to say, and maybe it's a gotcha moment. Maybe it is, but I'm smart enough, and I'm like confident enough where I'm gonna check you and make you feel like a dope. Well, there is the element of you are still representing management. Like for me, when I see Sam Kennedy talk or hear Sam Kennedy talk. of the time, I'm thinking, well, he's just saying what John Henry is ill-equipped to say in front of other humans or with a microphone. Because John Henry would be honest. John Henry, the reason John Henry doesn't speak is because he doesn't trust himself. uh, Yeah, and rightfully so. And he doesn't know how to handle any adversity whatsoever. And and I would take that. When it comes to the microphone, like, Sam will put, like... We actually saw Sam Kennedy get mad, mm-hmm. like even a little bit of mad. I loved it. I, it was, I loved it. Right. John Henry, if somebody booed him and he was in the migrant, you'd literally start seeing him shake. Not many of us probably have a 17% body fat. So that's, that's when he stopped having that uh, little, that, that the, whole little whole thing press at, conference down at there. The, the picnic table down there in Fort Myers, right? Yes. He doesn't do it anymore because of that. And instead, What's the big deal? And instead we got the other owner who once waved at Ray Charles. I'll never get over that, ever. He also brings a big, like, sword to opening day. Have you seen this big, giant, like, Braveheart sword that he brings? Yeah, we didn't see it on opening day. No, no, I I feel like, you know, that was the one time he didn't bring. I think somebody shamed him. And and listen, this is not the environment for that thing. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, I do think there are a lot of Red Sox fans who actually have Sam Kennedy in context. I know his role. I know what he's doing. I know that this has very little on a decision-making end to do with him. Unfortunately for Sam Kennedy, he has become kind of like a a high-paid PR guy, but he actually is involved in decisions on the business end. He is involved in Fenway Sports Group. Like, that's somebody who knows way more than they ever lead on, but their role is to just go out there and make sure that the owner doesn't have a mild breakdown with a microphone in his hand. Yeah. That's why I can sort of look at Sam Kennedy and be like, <laughs> okay, you're not the one I got the most beef with. You're just the one out in front more than everybody else. So I yell at you more, but I know it's not you I, at the I end just, of the day. It's it's uh it's only gonna get worse. I this this smells like a Patriots I've, football I've, I've season. Just to say, I've heard you say this before. And I was right. And you it, were it got worse, and you thought it was the bottom, and no, and this year especially, yep, with the way the offseason was. The way, like the fact that they haven't really signed anybody, they haven't replaced a bunch of guys. No. 
So what what is the what is the upside? Where's the where's the uh, you know the the optimism with and this group? I, and look, like for a Jordan Montgomery, I don't want to pay that guy through the nose when he isn't worth it. But is there a happy medium where you say, hey, we got to find a way to win? So fine, give him a one year deal. Pay a little more to get him on a one-year deal then. If it's just, hey, it's this year, we can fit it into the budget, whatever it is. I do think that is where some people might object with Sam Kennedy on the whole, well, we know we got to do, we got to win, and we got to do things to win. And it's like, well, okay, when are you going to start doing that stuff? And then that's where I look at it and be like, okay, that's not a Sam Kennedy call. If someone's got the purse closed, or sorry, if someone's got the wallet closed or buttoned up, that's not Sam's call. That's John Henry's call at the end of the day. Um, Mike Vrabel has uh, been called into question for something that I really didn't think it'd be a big deal in the NFL. And we found this because Vrabel, like Bill Belichick, on the outside looking in right now, if there is any smoke to this Andy Reid fire that he could walk away, I wonder if Vrabel might be the candidate over Belichick if Reed walks away. And the reason I mention that is, is because he played there, number one. I forgot about that. That's right. There is that history. He is younger, no question yep. about that. Uh, but I just wonder if Reed's going to walk away. Is there anyone there? On, like, do they look at Matt Nagy and go, boy, if we don't give it to him, we're going to lose this guy. It's kind of like, eh, really? You know? So I wonder... Because there's been the rumblings of, well, if, if Reed walks away, is Bill in wait? wonder if it might be Vrabel in wait. Let that marinate a little bit while we listen to Diana Russini, who was asked about Mike Vrabel on the athletic football show and then said this. What is your sense of why Mike Vrabel doesn't have a head coaching job right now? I don't think that there was a fit for him. I don't think he sat in front of any owner who thought that his style was going to work for what they were looking for. Do you know I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that is a factor, which I laughed. I said, stop. Well, it's just, oh, she, so she she laughed. So she did laugh. So she thought it was just as ridiculous as we do then why that, bring it up that it, that an actual that an actual gm a, a guy who runs an organization in the nfl is looking at vrabel at being too large too intimidating to run a team of large intimidating men i i don't know whoever is running these organizations this is why bill isn't a head coach because these stupid idiots these guys who think this way they literally exist. I did not think they exist. I thought it was, you know, like the, the three hundred no, shark or something like you that. Know like what? it's this, like it's like a it's Sasquatch. I knew they existed. What I didn't know is that there were so many NFLs who are so many NFL owners who were like, let's be like everybody else. Let's just steal from everybody's tree or oh, let's we got to get a McVeigh type. Honest to God, I oh, really, she did say that at the beginning of this oh, podcast. She said oh, yeah, that the, the trend whole... is going. They all want a McVeigh. They said she literally said it exactly the way you have been saying it. Well, you know they want to Mc... take a look around at all the different coaches that were hired and the and the hot names. We'll even say, and it just seemed initially. It was a, once again the search for the next Sean McVay. You hear that all the time. That always seems to be 
the theme uh, that a lot of owners are looking for. That's unbelievable. The, sh- the, the next Sean McVay, which is honest to God. <clears throat> I guess this is expected, though, right? This this is the way it goes. Just the way the pendulum swings for tough-minded coach, it'll swing toward the softer coach. Mm-hmm. Now it'll go to coaching trees, successful coaching tree. Let's pick from that fruit. Let's poach their coaches. Yeah, because that's a and fruitful cause, exercise. Because Dan Campbell, his his mentality, his philosophy is next. They, 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 he will create his own family tree of coaches that will leave in the next two to three years or maybe even next after next season. And then they... That'll be the type because they only want the successful organization's types, right, of a long-sustained success. So McVay, Shanahan, those guys have proven, McDaniel, that they can do it. Like the Belichick tree, none of it worked. Like none of those coaches left and were successful in the NFL. None of them. The only guy that was halfway successful was... Vrabel, and he's not even part, in my opinion, of that coaching tree because he was a player. The tree thing is so stupid. It makes little sense. Little sense. I mean, and we've already been through this. It's not hard. It went from Bill Walsh to Mike Holmgren to others, Shanahan's. Gruden's. Then McVeigh. Oh, yeah. Andy Reid. Andy Reid really started his own family. The there, yep. too. But Sean McVay, somehow, who is a, I don't know, fifth-line descendant of the Bill Walsh tree, somehow has become Bill Walsh. And that, like, when he yeah. was born in the 80s, the, the you know what, when he was born in 80, football Jesus held little Sean McVay in his hands and said, by God, I'm going to bless you to be the football coach of all football coaches, little Sean and... Oh, and you're gonna. You know what's gonna happen is there's gonna be a there's gonna be forty years of history in the NFL of all these people who did all this great stuff. But you know what? You're gonna be the one at thirty two to wear tight pants so we can see your <laughs> your nuts. But my God, you're little Sean gonna be the guy that's gonna just change everything in the NFL or get all the credit for everything. Like he's invented this system that's only been around the GD NFL since nineteen eighty two. Yeah, but also the the other thing is like the whole uh, doubling down on what a genius he is. I don't know if you remember. I think it was HBO Hard Knocks or was something where somebody went up to him and they asked him to, um, you know, uh, you know, look back like four years something like that when he was coaching as an assistant and break down the plays and he would take the series. He'd be like, oh, then we threw it here and then we had an off. Oh, he has like a photographic memory. Oh, yeah, really? There is. I mean, I I guess, and that's and that's part of the. That's part of his reputation and why he's so special. It's also the same reason why he got pantsed as supposedly an offensive genius by an old man who allegedly has now lost it because Sean McVay acted like he got to coach against his idol in some kind of like flag football game, was practically jumping up and down like an outsmart Bill, like an outsmart Bill. And Bill made him look like an idiot in a year where he put up a bunch of points. He scored three in a Super Bowl. Sorry, he's a genius, though. I forgot. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I is a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. Got lunchtime parlay coming up for you in 24, 23 minutes from now, let's say. Two and two again last night. However... 
If you take away all the free wins that I've given Fourier, our records are even now. That'll be a running theme. You'll keep doing it. Oh, yeah. All the ones that I gave you. And and then you'll say, when you do kind of pass me for a small period of time, and then Mm -hmm. I gave him like nine wins. That's right. That's right. I gave him a head start. Well, you should handicap it. You claim you're like the best better in the history of the world. Whoa. If we were playing, if if betting was golf, I would get it. It would be handicapped. Would it not? Um, right, which is which is, which is why what we did. did that. And you you needled me for the two weeks, and you got him in because now I'm starting to figure it out. Oh, that's true. So yeah. It's just, <laughs> oh, it'll be another. Uh, it'll be another on your long list of losses. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm getting uh, used to it. You are now. Right? I am. It's like, whatever. You're like the Detroit Lions against me yeah, right before now. Dan Campbell before came Dan around. Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be like you're Dan the Campbell. Matt Patricia yeah. Lions. Oh wow. <laughs> Oh man, that I know that sucks. stings. That's a, that is a that is a that's, jab though. That's a rough one. Jeez, I apologize. you have to go below the belt. Oh man, or above <laughs> for him because how can you find below? Oh Hi-oh. man, it's like a muffin top. Oh man, <laughs> it's what it is, right? It's like it's like they all have the same body type. Charlie Weiss. Patricia, they just do. Kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. Every- oh, oh, man. Yeah. Nothing has gone worse. Nothing, I don't think there is a coaching search and hiring that went worse than that. Yeah, I would say that uh, Matt Patricia takes the cake. And yeah. Even for the even for some of the guys who have maybe failed spectacularly, yeah. like the first run for McDaniel's in uh, Denver was yeah. worse than Horrible. the Raiders. Yeah, in my opinion, and uh, yeah, somehow Matt Patricia has come along and told all those guys, "Hold my beer." At least Josh McDaniel's had like a what was it? He was like seven and zero or five and zero, or is a cover of Sports Illustrated there for a while, one time when he actually was like uh, when he. <laughs> This is breaking news. Breaking news on WEEI is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Our prayers have been answered, ladies and gentlemen. Joining the New England Patriots staff is Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, everyone. There we go. Are we gonna? We're not even gonna keep. No, 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 no. This Joining is, the staff as what? A I, consultant as a human. He's he's here. He's a uh, large. He's a large, intimidating person. I don't. I can't I believe they know. hired him. I think with that mustache. I uh, mean, oh my god! How can you hire someone with facial hair? Uh, yeah. So Ben McAdoo is in uh the, the NFL Network people. I think either Pelissero or. Uh, who was it there, Nick? Mike Garofalo. Oh, yeah, ben Garofalo. McAdoo as an offensive uh, assistant coach. Oh, boy. The Twitch chat has just exploded. Who? Clap. Championship. Ben Mickey Doo-Doo. Ben <laughs> McAdoosh. Uh, Duck boats. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Who dat? Er, McAdoo-Doo? Fire up the duck boats. Ben BMF. Um, Who? Radio Chick 81, new team who dis. (laughs) Well played. Let's hope Ben McAdoo slicks his hair back like he used to. That is the one thing about Ben McAdoo. He has had a a Dennis Rodman run of looks over the last, like, three years, wouldn't you say? Because he was slicking the hair back for a while. Then he had that creepy cookie duster of a mustache. Then he started to let the beard grow in a little bit. And then he, like, shaved all of it and let his hair grow out or whatever. And then I saw him on the sideline where it's like, 
slick back under a visor now. I mean, seriously. There have been some people in, like, television in these <laughs> parts in New England who've had less hairstyles than Ben McAdoo the last four years. Um, I know. You, I guess you can crap all over it based on – and everyone will look at his, you know, head coaching opportunity with the Giants. Hold on. He was replaced by Joe Judge. Okay. <laughs> Is. That is uh, quite an indictment. Well, that's, that's more of an indictment on the Giants organization uh, okay, more than fair anything. Enough, like, but, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah, there's the many faces yeah. of uh, Ben McAdoo. That, uh, uh, he Alex did something. Pelt also has many, many faces himself as well, but he calls himself Doughboy. Well, but he's leaned into it. Ben McAdoo was thinking, this might look cool. Yeah, at some point in time, Ben McAdoo did something well in the NFL that convinced ownership <laughs> that he should be a head coach. It's, at some point in time, he I was... Love I love that description. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> our next head coach, he's done something <laughs> enough for someone to think he can do this I mean, job. There, and, unless he just, I mean, unless it's like, you know, the whole... like when, when Guys are uh, coordinators and they become head coaches. It just Sometimes it just literally doesn't work. He was, he was there, I think, what, two years? He barely got a he barely got a sniff at doing anything. Then well, they removed him and put Joe Judge in there. He was another one of these guys that, uh, if I were to bust my friend Shimey, who you know the old new coaches, everybody does their new pants dance for new coaches, and then you realize they're getting pantsed on the sideline. You're like, we better get them the hell out of here. And that's what happened with Ben McAdoo. So here is the here is the run for Ben McAdoo. Okay, O uh, two Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, in 2021, he was a consultant to the Cowboys. 2020, quarterbacks coach Jacksonville. We know how that went. Was that Urban Meyer? Uh, that would have been, might have been Doug Marone. Okay. Stand by. Let me see if I can get a list of coaches. I knew you'd ask me that. No, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let me see here. Hold on one second. It's the Dolphins. Yeah, I can't find it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, So uh, in working backwards, Giants head coach 2016-2017. There's nothing on the Wikipedia for this guy between 2018 and then joining the Jags. He was Giants OC for a couple years before that. Quarterbacks coach in Green Bay two years before that. Tight ends coach two years before that. Assistant O-line coach. The one thing I can say about Ben McAdoo that I do like is that he's coached a lot of different positions. So hopefully this is a guy with kind of a 30,000-foot view of putting an offense together, not just, ooh, what trick plays are you calling, but how to make everything. It's it's funny, we were cranking on Matt Patricia. This is the only thing Matt Patricia couldn't do get route spacing right, make it all come together from a 30,000-foot view, hopefully McAdoo has at least got some experience in doing that. And I don't know why anyone would crap all over this. <clears throat> I mean, just because it's Ben McAdoo and you look at it as history, and like, oh, this guy can't do anything. He's incapable of creating any good production offensively. It, he has it, no offensive mind. No, it feels like offensive Joe Judge. That's that's why, uh, in, in a way, I made the Joe Judge reference because yeah. everybody laughs at Joe Judge. And why would you not do the same thing for this guy? Because literally the exact same thing happened. He just coached a different position. Yeah, here's the thing. I am going to reserve judgment on this entire staff. Um, 
Alex Van Pelt, new offensive coordinator included, whoever your tight ends coaches, your running backs coaches, whoever is your offensive consultants, whoever is your, <clears throat> hey, I got fired from my one job, uh, but they're still paying me. I just want to hang around. All those guys. I'm gonna, I feel like it's, it's only fair to hold off and wait and see because you have no idea how they're all going to interact. And how they're going to collaborate together. Because that's the key. They're only bringing in people who can collaborate and knock down silos. Yeah. Very important. And that hey, is. Hey, have you ever taken down a silo before? Well, actually, you know, I tried to do it with the Giants, but there's so much resistance. You know what the problem was? We weren't collaborative. Is that a big word here? You know what? This will work. Look at this. We're speaking the same, finishing each other's sentences. Yeah, that's us. Yeah. Oh, man. And every time I hear that word and think about how those conversations go, and one guy wants to do one thing, and one guy wants to do another, and another one says, hey, I've proven this can work, and Gerard Mayo walks in that room, who's he siding with? And But like, do you have to on side offense, with, as far as players, side with none your of coordinator? None you know? of them. None of them. Collaboration's nice until a decision's got to be made, and then somebody's going to get their feelings hurt. Yeah, but what and is I thought the... we're trying to avoid that down there, too. So how does collaboration go with not letting someone down or making them have a sad? I would say, um, don't know a lot about Alex Van Pelt, <clears throat> but the collaboration issue will rear its ugly head when the... I guess the coordinator or your position coach don't respect the head coach. They don't respect his knowledge. They don't respect his ability to lead. They 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 think his decisions are antiquated or just unrealistic. How right? quick do you think veteran assistants sniff that out? Is that quickly? A, is that oh, a process? I would say, or do I would they figure say, it out? Here's quick? what I would say: as quickly as a player would sniff out a bad coach. Ooh. Which I think happens yeah. pretty quickly. You know, That's, right away. You're very good at that, by the way. I am. I I think it's, have, I think it's have, obvious. You have good radar when it's, it comes to like your position coaches. Oh yeah. Like, oh, no. You know right away. You know it, it, now. If you're young, you have no clue. But if you're older and you've been on crappy teams, I was really blessed in a way. <laughs> I had I had really uh, good coaches. I had crappy coaches. I've had crappy OCs. I've had great OCs. I've had. Uh, I've been on crappy teams and good teams. Like, you know, the, the pendulum swung all over the place. So when you when you go from, like, Dennis Erickson to Mike Holmgren, you're like, holy crap. Jeez, this is different. Then you go to Holmgren to Bill, you're like, wow, this is even better. And then you go to Holmgren to Joe Gibbs, and you're like, holy crap. I thought it was going to get better, but it's worse. So what do you – because I know we want to get to Goodell, but what do you do with McAdoo? If, I'll put it this way: If you're because you because you, Van Pelt is going to coach the quarterback, we know that. Yeah, he should. Yep. I would just want if I'm um, Gerard Mayo, I'm obviously looking for a certain personality type, and I just want as many smart offensive minds as possible mm-hmm. in the room. That's what I want, and I will give them a position, and you know, uh, and they will have their responsibilities. Like Ivan Fears was a running backs coach, but he was also always in charge of third down blitz packages. That was his job. He he gave us the the reads, the tendencies, and 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 once a week he got up in front and he talked. Uh, Dante had obviously the run game and and red zone uh, and, and and goal line. Wow, that sounds collaborative. I'm a little shocked. It's at this. funny. Uh, the tight ends coach was uh, you know in the receivers coach. They all have they delegate. They all, hey, we. I can't do it by myself. Hey, you take third down. Uh, you take for, uh, first and second down. Someone take a short yardage goal line. I'll do it. Okay, good. All right, who's going to take blitz 
packages. All right, who's going to take, uh, 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 you know, red zone fringe and two minute? I'll do it. Okay, good. Now, you guys, we all can't do it. We can't do all this stuff, so somebody is responsible. Who's going to be the run game coordinator? Maybe he's a run game coordinator. Maybe he's like Mike McDaniels, and on Sunday he would disappear, and he wouldn't show up till Wednesday, and he pre- he would present Kyle Shanahan, hey, coach of the San Francisco 49ers, here's your run game. He did this on his own. Kyle Shanahan didn't do any of this, and he would just present the run game to the head coach, and that's what they would use, and they would just call those run plays. Is there anything to having McAdoo coaching receivers? And can you take one guy and have him coach tight ends no. and receivers? No, no, it's got to no, be a no, split no. job. Yeah, it's got to be split. Yeah, yeah, it can't be both. The only guy that would – that's happened to me before. You spent some time with the offensive line coach, and then you spent some time with the receivers coach, and you're just it's – just, it, it's a terrible, terrible idea. I think in the NFL they can afford to hire a position coach when you're going to have what maybe no four- I don't I don't look at it from a cheap standpoint I'm looking at it from a if we're morphing towards flex tight ends no, more no, than no, ever no, in no. the NFL yeah no I can fine. have the O line coach help the tight ends on their run fits no no you can't I mean you I guess you could. Obviously, but, but it would be a recipe it's, for it's disaster. Stupid. Maybe, yeah, it's stupid. I was uh, I was looking to see the coaching staff in 2022 in Carolina. So Steve Wilkes was the interim. I'm just looking for Wait, some in of the 2002 or 2022. Yeah, yeah, 2022. Okay. That's when McAdoo was OC, and you had uh, yeah, Sean Ryan as a quarterbacks coach, Joe Daly, a wide receivers, Kevin M. Gilbride, the tight end coach. I think that's really crazy Kevin's son. Yeah. Um I'm just, <laughs> and the reason I'm looking at these is because both Van Pelt and McAdoo are going to be, in theory, pulling from some of their old offensive staffs to be able to get people in here. Um now who knows? Maybe Troy Brown is a part of this. And maybe that's something McAdoo has coached tight ends. So maybe that's one of the things that you can do is if you do like Troy or if Gerard would like to keep someone like that around, maybe McAdoo can do the tight end thing, but also it's the keep an eye on what's going on with that guy over there. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if anybody has really held Troy's hand and said, hey, here's some of the things, mistakes that I've made or things that you can learn as a coach or whatever. Yeah, I don't he's, know. he's been there long enough. I don't know how much hand-holding he would even need, but it is interesting. Well, given, like, the, given the performance of some of the wide receivers, yeah. he might need well, a little coaching up himself. And wouldn't that be the first position where we're like, okay, this this these, this group isn't getting coached the right way? Wouldn't you kind of... Wouldn't you kind of do that? We got another uh, breaking news. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Nick was just telling me there's a connection to Green Bay with all these these guys and Elliot. Ah, uh, there it is. There's so the line. We're, so that that's why I gave the thumbs up because it was like, all right, now we're starting to like, just like there was the whole Eastern Illinois connection to the Demarcus Covington and the uh, defensive coordinator interviews. Like it was guys who were all a part of that staff where Covington was in Eastern Illinois mm-hmm. in the mid 2010s. Yeah. Hmm. So now we're now we're seeing the tentacles, right? Because only Bill had tentacles, right? Did, didn't we establish that? I know I'm laying it on for all you Belichick haters, but these are the things that y'all were saying. So, you know, is the Elliot Wolf tree the one we want to sit under and hope a juicy apple falls on our head? It seems like a hybrid of some kind.
Yeah, you know what it is on offense? It's the holy crap. How can we find a way to get experienced people in Yeah, here? that's it. And that's, that's, that's it. all it is. It's not, hey, I was thinking of this guy. Veterans in the league. The plan yep. is literally coming together as a, the best plan they can come up with, let me say, is the one that they're coming up with right now because it's literally calling it on the fly because Mayo didn't have a clue of who to get on offense. And it is amazing. I've never seen... Uh, you know, a situation where every single coach that is hired is is so just, you know, critiqued and dissected. It's like, what is this guy going to do? How is he going to affect? You know, you, you had so many just lifers in those positions for so long. And it was especially on the offensive side of the football. You just knew what they were. You knew what their responsibilities were. And the defensive side seemed to have more attrition for the most part. Yeah. Right? The guys were leaving more than they didn't have lifers like the, the, like the, uh, the, the Ivan Fears and the, and then the uh, Dante Scarnecchias of the world. Well, right? yeah. We or thought even, like Chad O'Shea decided to be like, hey, let me go be an offensive coordinator. Now he might circle back well, through that and didn't come work back out either. as an assistant. Right. Well, you find out that some of the guys who are coordinators, they're going to get the opportunity. And then the dudes underneath still need a lot of work and a lot of nurturing. And sadly, those are the people who are in non-play calling roles that are getting OC jobs now and getting elevated because... You know, they, they once drove Sean McVay to the airport or something like that. 617-779-7937. We will get to Roger Goodell because he deserves to be laughed at, ridiculed, and ripped. And of course, it was opening night last night for the Super Bowl out in Vegas. We will start to get you Super Bowl breakdown as well, but the lunchtime parlay is next. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. I think the sun is shining outside. Breaking news. We're going to need a Valvoline Instant Oil Change breaking news deal on that one, that the sun is outside. Good It's amazing. What is this ball? I need some vitamin D. I'm lacking vitamin D. Take a pill. Yeah. Vegan creatine? Mm, I should probably look. There's probably a lot of stuff in that thing that I probably shouldn't be taking. Oh, really? Yeah. As soon as I get a blood test, I'll find out. Oh, my God. Hey, there's a large amount of, I don't know. There's a large amount of whatnot in your whatnot. None of this is good for you. The package said it was fine. Oh, man. Every morning. uh, I shudder to think what you would be like without your... Cretan. Probably the same. Probably be absolutely no different. Probably so. Yeah. Well, you're not walking around a, here like you got a uh, broomstick up your bum. No, you know? Like no. your back has not been jacked up recently. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> Knock on wood if you hear me. Yeah. <laughs> Time of the Lunchtime Parlay presented by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And the official sports book of WEEI. Two and two yesterday. Mavericks winners on the money line. Uh, Avalanche and the Rangers went under six and a half. Uh, Billy lost on the Hawks, and the Dallas 76ers game did not go Mm, over. Had that wrong. 235 and a half. So two and two, no money for you. However, let's get right back up on today's what will be a very juicy and hittable parlay. I'm going to start. I'm going back to the... Now, I know that Oklahoma in one ranking is like 23rd, but in the other ranking, you don't. So it still fits under 
this unranked home favorite taking on a top 25-er. Give me Oklahoma on the money line, minus 130 against BYU. BYU has had an unbelievable year, but this is one of those, okay, follow the trend. Trend has been pretty good over the last couple of years on these unranked home favorites against ranked teams. So I'm going to go Oklahoma, minus 130 on a pure system match. Billy Lanny, what do you have? Mavericks in Brooklyn to play the Nets. I'm taking Luka Doncic to get a triple-double against the Brooklyn Nets. Jeez. Now, I yeah, know right. Well, I know that uh, the Mavs played last night. So did the Nets. And so did the Nets. So that's why we could have Luka going off here because Kyrie, I do believe, is still dinged up. So Luka is uh, unfettered. And again, what do you need? 10, 10, and 10. See you later. We don't need – I don't need 70 points from Luka tonight. I need 10, 10, and 10. That's it. In some way, shape, or form. Maybe it would be blocks. That'd be that'd be excessive. Luca got that many blocks. Billy be mad at himself. Luca playing defense. Bill, I was just gonna say, Billy be mad at himself on the Luca block prop, which is probably a block for Luca is probably plus two ninety or something like that. Because you're right, the guy doesn't play defense. Nick, what do you got? Well, the one of the two of the two best teams in the NHL are playing tonight in the Canucks and Panthers. So I'm going back with another under tonight. I think this is their first game out of the All-Star break, so maybe a little more sloppy play. And they're two really good teams, so give me under six goals tonight in Canucks and Panthers. That's right. It did move from six and a half to six, which goes to show where the market is trending, shaving that uh, half goal. Speaking of shave, a guy who needs one, Christian Moria. I was basically just going to take exactly what Nick said and just apply it to Calgary versus Boston. Oh, okay. It's basically the same read. First game back, maybe a little sloppy. You know, everybody was, you know, maybe they're dealing with a sunburn. Who the hell knows what's going on? You don't have their, you know, they don't have their their skating legs underneath them. So I'm going to go under six goals. That makes sense. Because the because uh, the Bruins, pretty good. Of course, watch what will happen now. Nine, nine to six. It's <laughs> no. a shootout or something stupid. All right. So Calgary, Boston, under. Canucks, Panthers, under. Luca for a triple double, which by the way you can find on your uh, sportsbook apps. Normally under player combos, that's where we found Luca getting the plus two fifty five. And then I got Oklahoma on the money line tonight against BYU. I'm going money line to protect myself on a system match, ladies and gentlemen. Your ten dollars could win you. You ready for this foyer? Yeah, man. Two hundred twenty-two dollars and twenty-six cents on a ten dollar parlay. The old Fourier would have been like, ooh, I have a bet bonus. I'm going to play that one. Now there's well, it's all it's that. all Billy's Luka Doncic triple-double. That's where all the... Uh, that's where a lot that's, of juice that's, is. That's it. That's that, it. If that's, we, we need to hit one of these big ones and just give ourselves a nice little cushion. Uh, that'd be nice. Like plus 124 for over a half a block. That's it, really? Yeah, that's what I just saw. I'm a little surprised at that. <laughs> I thought that number would be higher. Although, how many times have you done... The block bet, Billy, with anybody where you had plus money attached to it. It was normally like... All the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Most of the times when I do a block, it's plus money. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking it's, it's like skinny 110s no, or 105s. It's never anything mind-blowing. Got it. You know what I mean? But I can... Like, Drew Holiday is always like a plus 120-something or a one for plus one. Okay. That's a bad job out of me. There's then. only been like the shift with Derek White. Got Derek it. White started out as plus money, but then he's been like cleaning them up. So now he's a negative. He's negative money. And I know that there are some guys like you had Durant oh, like over two and a half blocks one time. Yeah. So Durant and yeah, Porzingis was another one for over two and a half. There you go. Yeah. Some of those do get altered based on uh, how many blocks. So there you go. 
So 2-22-26 for today's lunchtime parlay. We'll get that out on social media, on Twitter or X, Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I. Get us on Instagram, Gresh and Fourier. Spell out the A-N-D in between our last names. Oh, someone says the Canucks do not play the Panthers. Did I say it wrong? Uh-oh, it might have got written in wrong by our guy Nick. Look out, baby. Oh, no. Does William Thomas Laney have any other hot block picks? <laughs> that Carolina's hosting uh, Vancouver tonight. Carolina is... I wrote it in wrong. Hurricanes. So it's Hurricanes. Wait, so it isn't out Hurricanes the, the at Canucks the Panthers? Are at the Hurricanes. I wrote Panthers. Oh, Canucks at the Hurricanes. Okay. All right, there you go. Simple mistake. And, of course... That would be problematic if people were looking for that game. So we're going to get that right. There we go. Well, it would be the first time we had a pick on a day that the game that was is, That is true. Not to point fingers or look at anybody that would have made a possible mistake like that. Because we all slip up. Tom Curran will talk football with us next. Gresh and Fourier. On WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Noon straight up with Gresh and Fourier here on Boston and New England Sports Original WEEI. The big news is in Ben McAdoo. Woo-woo on Ben McAdoo. Here we go. He is in, baby. Uh, joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is our guy Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy, brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Kern, a 1-800-GET-HAIR, by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. We go to the Harbor One Hotline for Tom Curran. Tom, good morning where you are. Hey, what's up, buddy? I'm in the Luxor. I'm Ooh. working on my plan for uh, quick slants this evening. It's 6 p.m., Live from the Super Bowl, we'll have Kendrick wow, Bourne the on. For the wow, they they still have that big little light that comes out of the top of it. Yeah. Is it still like real gimmicky? With uh, right, still the same stuff. I think a lot of stuff's gimmicky out here, but <laughs> I've actually not been outside the building since I got here. Um, really, Sunday night? Yeah, you just come in. It's late. I got in like late Sunday night. <clears throat> slept, went down the media joint. Started working with a little tuckered, had a steak with Phil last night, a nice ribeye, and then uh, retired. And now I'm getting working, uh, getting to work on quick slants. I got to get outside though. Yeah, I heard the weather's crappy there though. No. Yeah, I'm just looking. See, they actually decorated the Luxor like a Dorito because it's a pyramid. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I saw that. So Great brand. I yeah. I <laughs> open the curtains here, and you're actually because it's a triangle, it's a slanted ceiling. So I would be looking at the sun, but there's Dorito. All over the. Place. <laughs> I'll send a picture. All right, good. There's, there's hey, tape all over it. Tommy, can you now? You've been covering the. I mean, good grief! You've been covering. We've been covering the NFL in one way, shape, or form since the the late nineties. Fourier played yeah. in the league for God's sakes. I can't <clears throat> believe we're sitting here in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty four, talking about a Super Bowl. Being in Las Vegas, Nevada, considering like six years ago, Roger Goodell, it would have been over his cold, dead body that there would have been a Super Bowl in Las Vegas, it feels like. Yeah, and it's funny because now I think that it's happening and the amount of money and influence and just hand over fist dollar collecting that's able to go on by the owners, um, 
made it too obviously lucrative to, to turn your nose up to, but whether it's small scale like Kayshawn Booty or whether it's going to be larger scale with officials, et cetera, and the, the league itself having to deal with the conversation about, well, you have to be completely beyond reproach and there's far too many questionable calls. How are you going to fix that? They are now dancing with the devil that they <laughs> wanted to avoid. Yeah, it's so funny, though. Like, that's exactly what's happening. And I just think it's a little comical. I'm curious, though. I know you haven't been out of the room, but every single year when the, when the, when a new host city gets the Super Bowl, there's always this, hey, this place sucked. Uh, you know, everything was too far away. The traffic was horrible. You couldn't walk anywhere. I mean, I know you haven't really been anywhere, but, I mean, what's the general kind of vibe out there in Vegas as far as how easy it is and how accessible things are? I think it's a little more electric because what, I have been out of my room because, believe it or not, everything is in the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Allegiant Stadium is just steps away from there. Um, so I've gone to the media center, and that, believe it or not, even though the Luxor is attached to Mandalay Bay, it's still a 25-minute friggin' walk to get there because this place is so big. But there is convenience. I mean, if I can do my job right do television shows, do podcasts, get everybody the information they need and never leave my building. There is an upside to that because I'm not here as a tourist and as a, as a fan. So I'm just trying to provide stuff for people, but I think it's going to be a good experience overall for people. You know, I'm going to go to top golf three nights in a row. So that's, uh, you know, I'm giddy. Way to giddy. get out. Way to get out and see the city. Okay. Wait. What do you, what are we doing? Hold on. I'm gonna, I want, no, I'm going to defend Tom Curran on this <sighs> end. Going to Top Golf three times versus playing one round of golf at the course that is not far from the Luxor, he's saving money going to Top Golf. Is Top Golf code for some hundred bucks at the Valley High? Yeah, it's five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollar tee time. Yep, and and that's no cart or like any of that. Uh, yeah, that's it's unbelievable. Everything is jacked up down there now. The golf course rates are insane anyway, especially on the Strip. I can only imagine, Tommy, what the wind course is like this week out there. Good Lord. It's a beautiful track, but it's probably 750 to but play it. But it's freezing out there. Eh, it doesn't matter if you're a golfer, it's, right, it's Tom? It's winter. It's high desert. Like It's not like it's, people think you're in Arizona. You're not. It gets really freaking cold there. It snows there. I don't know. That's why I haven't been out. Hmm. Yeah, Tommy. Oh, we have a picture. We have a picture of your uh, your oh, hotel. Oh, the Dorito. That's unbelievable. That is really well done. I gotta say, if there's one thing that the NFL gets right, it's being able to just pimp out all the people that spend money with them. Uh, Tommy uh, Ben McAdoo. Uh, I know the announcement uh, just came out. A couple different people reported it. Maybe not official, official, but it looks like Ben McAdoo is coming in. Uh, Fourier and I were kind of talking about it. I think Van Pelt is going to be the guy who's going to be the OC and I would think coaching the quarterbacks. How do you see McAdoo kind of fitting in here? Do you have an idea as to maybe what role he might take on? I think it's going to be excellent if they draft a quarterback, which I'm still a little dubious if that's the right direction to go, but we can discuss that too. But you need somebody to backstop the quarterback position if you have Jaden Daniels or Drake May or whoever you have in that spot as a rookie for his development. Because if you have, say, a Jacoby Brissett or veteran X who needs to learn the system himself, you can't split your time as the offensive coordinator shepherding along whoever your quarterback that is newly drafted is. And that's always the way it's been. You know, I've talked to McDaniels in the past and, and, and other coaches, and they'll say, look, I spend all my time with the starter. 
It's the quarterback's coach who's in charge of the development. And that's oversimplifying, but they don't have time to develop the younger guys. So that would be a Ben McAdoo role, I presume. And I think certainly people, you know, Ben McAdoo sucked with the Giants. You have to remember, and this is so much worth reminding, this is a 4-13 team that is the worst offense in football right now, personnel-wise. They are less than an expansion team because they don't have an expansion draft to benefit from. So as a result, yeah, you got Ben McAdoo to coach the three guys who are starting-level players, David Andrews, Ramondre Stevenson, and maybe uh, Demario Douglas. You're not going to attract people necessarily to this team the way they are right now. So you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Ooh, okay. Well, okay. You get that logic. I mean, you can't just go around swinging and go, we're the Patriots, give us. David Cutcliffe, I don't know, was the first well, name that he, came to me. But even the, uh, like, so you really have to look at this coaching staff, and I don't know what approach you're taking, but getting upset and angry about Alex Van Pelt or Ben McAdoo seems a little premature when you don't know what really anything's going to look like or, or how they're going to work together. It's going to be a while before you really kind of have an idea, right? Yeah, 100%. And I just think that there's a knee-jerk smarminess that goes on with whatever they decide to do is going to suck. And I think people will say, oh, Curran, you hate it. Don't buy it. I also thought that what they did last offseason was going to work. I generally believe that the people know what they're doing until I'm proven wrong. And I thought that Bill O'Brien being added to work with Mac Jones would work. I thought that their assemblage of offensive players might not be great in the individual, but would work together. It didn't happen. I so think, it sucked. I think, but I, I look at this. I'm sorry, Gresh. I'll just say, I think that you look at it and say, this is what you got. Don't be knee-jerk smarmy about it. Figure out what might work with an Alex Van Pelt. Because I kind of like that move more than Nick Cayley, right, Gresh? If you hire Nick Cayley, now you have three rookie coordinators. You loving that? Well, no, not at all. And and my response to the whole why are people reacting the way they are is because there was no plan. And I think if it was, hey, Alex Van Pelt is an OC that what, that Gerard Mayo's kept an eye on or whatever, or hey, the, I think the Patriots were lucky that guy walked through the door because they were about to mm-hmm. hand it to somebody just because they knew who they were. I mocked Ben McAdoo a little bit because ever since the Giants, it's been kind of Mets and Mets as to what he's done. But if I knew this was a part of an orchestrated plan – not praying to God certain people walk through the door, I would probably be able to jump on board or maybe not be snark-snarkington about it because it feels like there is no plan and we're hoping and wishing that we just have enough bodies to get us through a year. Why do you say, and this is, I'm just shooting the boot like you and me said, why do you think there is no plan? I have an answer, but I'm curious. Why do you think... It seems a little flying by the seat of your pants. Because it feels it it feels like there was no definitive opinion in the mind of Gerard Mayo as to what he wanted to do on offense. And right, and so he's had a, and he's had a year at least to be able to think about it. And the organization knew he didn't have a ton of tentacles on the offensive side. And some of the people that they brought in, it was uh, ooh, tight jeans McVeigh guy. Great who ultimately either left or isn't qualified. I look at it this way. He didn't have a year. He didn't know he had a year because nobody on the planet, the Patriots included, thought that the team was going to go 4-13. and 13. So 
So Gerard was just wondering, okay, where am I going to go? What's my next job? I don't want to go someplace else, but am I going to have a role here, or what am I doing? Uh, we'll sign you. Okay, good. I'm back to play, coaching defense. Nobody foresaw 4-13. and 13. But when 4-13 and 13 unfolded, or when 2-8 and eight came to reality, or 2-10 and 10 as it actually, I think, got to, the Patriots said, okay, well, <clears throat> our plan is we can't have Bill in charge. So the first step of the plan was when they arrived at in October, November, and said, we're not going to continue doing this. That's why I think you got to remember, nobody, including the people in Foxborough, expected to be doing this now. So the biggest part of the rebuild was tearing out the, the, the tree that gave cover to every, and really fostered everything around it. <laughs> um, to use a metaphor. So you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not excusing it. I'm not excusing the way it looks, but I do think that there is a reason for the way it looks. And that's because nobody expected to be here in early 2024. Okay. So um, I'm curious if you've heard the, the sound or heard anywhere about the Boomer Sison quote about Bill didn't, uh, that, that Bill didn't lose the job in Atlanta. He actually turned it down. Have you heard that? No. Yeah, so Boomer Sion, um, I think it was either this morning or yesterday on his radio show, uh, talked about how he heard from one of his reliable sources that uh, Arthur Blank um, offered him the job, but he turned it down. Yeah, I mean, what are the parameters of the job that he turned down, though? Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, Rich McKay still working here, Bill, and Perry's still here, and my friend Mr. Beatles is still here, so... We definitely would love to hire you, but those are the circumstances. No, thank you. Then I could see that. It just wasn't a fit. I, I just don't think that Bill looked at that team and that opportunity with no other opportunity out there, and they said, you can do whatever you want here. He goes, nah, I don't want to work with you guys. So I'm sure that there were details that he wasn't comfortable with. If you come in, then you'll have to do this. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me that. Do you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I know it, it makes total sense. It was just weird. In the beginning, it was the narrative was I can't believe like you know that nobody wants to hire Bill because he's old and used up. So how about the other Bill? How about the Bill O'Brien that used to be the offensive coordinator that now is the uh, offensive coordinator with Ohio State, but looks like he may be the head coach at BC. Have you been following that at all? I have, and I think what's interesting there's a there's an interesting conversation there to have when you talk about the direction of this team and perhaps the fact that fans should and have a right to feel uncomfortable, even though I'm saying here, well, you know, what did you expect? I do have an understanding of why folks feel uncomfortable. And as it relates to Bill O'Brien, I think there's an individual who might be more like what we talked about with Bill. Maybe Bill O'Brien said, eh, you know what, man, I'm going to see what else is out there for me. Um, Because this is, for Bill O'Brien, he was going to be part of a rebuild. Now, for a young guy, it might look enticing as hell. And we've talked to uh, Phil did different personnel people who look at this as a great opportunity because you get to build from the bottom up with all your control of deciding who you want. But if you are Bill O'Brien, you're like, you mean now I'm going to run it back with Gerard is over me and I've been a head coach. And now he's going to have some issues in terms of trying to understand exactly how he wants to do things. I'm going to sit here trying to run the offense with no good players. It sucked last year. We got the Mac thing going on. You know what? Maybe, maybe I might see if there's other opportunities. So I would not be the least bit surprised if it was, you know, 60, 40 Bill O'Brien or more. 
But I don't know that specifically. I, it was intimated to me that maybe Bill might want to be moving on. But I have not spoken to him to say definitively he was like, I got to get out of here. But it kind of feels that way. Interesting stuff, as always, from our guy Tommy Curran. He'll be with Jones and Mego on Thursday at 3.30. Tommy, thanks, friend. We'll catch you next week. Miss you guys out here. All right. <laughs> I'm sure we're missed. Thank you, <laughs> yeah, buddy. I don't believe it. <laughs> there goes uh, Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston. Yeah, I push, uh, again, I push back on the whole. Mayo knew in March of 23 he was the next head coach. And you mean to tell me that all he did was put his feet up and think about the job he had, not the job he was going to get? Like, that's where Tom and I vehemently disagree. And I will forever take it to the deathbed that the only decision that was made during the season was we need to get rid of Bill. And then everybody stopped thinking about what was next, including ownership. Because I'm sorry. We scream, oh, offensive league, offense this, offense that. So at worst... They knew in November there was going to be change and we're still ping-ding-a-linging around praying to God that Alex Van Pelt walked through the damn door? Sorry. I don't buy that. Are you a good organization or not? Give me back my franchise. Because you know what? Mm-hmm. If you're not a good organization, that what what what's kind of happening is what happens with Christian, oh, I don't know, like with, you know, the Jets or the Browns at one point in time or the Jaguars, where you can't, you, you got, you have no, you're void of thought. The thought was, get rid of Bill. Then what? Huh? Uh, well, well, I guess we'll, as we'll pull poor pants up, figure it out. Like, that's not how you run a good organization, in my opinion. That's all. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app and take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. I know we never got into our Roger Goodell stuff because we got uh, kind of hijacked by Ben McAdoo coming to New England and our uh, our talk about that. Uh, interesting Twitch going on right now. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. You can also go to YouTube, type in WEEI, boom, click on the live stream. You can listen to us uh, from wherever you are and on the Odyssey app. Um, oh, man. Let's just start. Let's just let's just so so every year. Yeah. Here's what's happened. Look, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I feel like what the NFL has done. I feel like they've changed what used to be a you know pretty much set in stone routine from player media day, which okay. is now at night, the whole spectacle. Yep, Monday night now, prime time. To usually, Roger Goodell would speak. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, it always felt like later in the week on like a Thursday or something like that. Where all the media members would come into one big giant room, there would always be some little kid that I would ask a question. There would always be like Sam Farmer from L.A., Ben Volan, you name it, and they would get one Ugh, question. Oh God. They would get one question, yeah. right? Now, this is on a Monday, mm-hmm. which which I think is obviously for so so they don't get any static closer to the game. Hey, you want to feel uncomfortable? You want to ask us about you know uh, you know um, you know you know, different hiring practices. Why aren't there any black guys in, in executive offices, you know, in the NFL? That's always a, a point of emphasis. You know, where are you going to, when is there going to be a team in LA? Used to be a question that was asked all the time. Mm-hmm. And of course the Brady stuff. And now they do it on a Monday. Now it's on a Monday and in there they can kind of, you know, bury that Roger Goodell chat 
or, eh, you know, hey, we'll kick everything off at 8 o'clock. And, well, by the way, the commissioner will have his thing at 730. Hope we yeah. can make it. And it's so, always yeah. interesting what they choose, like what type of news they choose to release and what they really dive into. So, because um, there's a gambling comment that Roger Goodell made that I want to jump all over. That's so you can do it first. But no, to your point, though, because one of the bigger nuggets of news to come out of yesterday with Roger Goodell was that I know it's a hot-button thing around here about going to Germany or going to London or going elsewhere and the whole, you know, out-of-the-country games. And a lot of people don't like them. A lot of people don't like them. Uh, But apparently, not only is the NFL going to Brazil, are we getting – do I hear this right? Are we getting Friday night football? You mentioned Brazil. Brazil um, is new for us this year. Uh, We are incredibly excited we're going to do it on our kickoff weekend, which is an unusual um, approach and different than we've ever done. We actually are going to play it on Friday night of our kickoff weekend. Uh, so we'll have Thursday night as our kickoff game. Friday night, we'll come back from Brazil in Sao Paulo. The Philadelphia Eagles will be the host team in Sao Paulo. Um, and then we'll come back with Sunday night and Monday night and obviously a great uh, a good group of games on Sunday afternoon with our two partners. So... Um, we think this is giving us an ability to access more fans, not just here in the States, but on a global basis. And I think it's going to be a huge hit. We're excited. Man, I feel like the league is turning into this weird traveling circus. Like, it's just evolving oh, yeah. to where, hey, you just pick up your tent, bring all your players. Okay, we're going to go to Brazil. We're going to, and then we're going to go to Germany. And the home team who dedicates and devotes resources to restaurants, parking, new stadium, uh, housing, you name it, they get cheated out of a home game. Well, the fans get cheated out of a home game. Well, the restaurants, the people who yeah, work oh, there, no, they no, get cheated out of a home there, game. There is there is that. But from the ownership end, it's just another week because that check don't change. Do you think, and this is, this is your typical, there's a couple things. One, to take over the world. The other aspect is dominating every single day of the week. Now you have college football, which would be in week one. Week zero was always that last week in August. Week one would be that first week in September, right? Mm-hmm. I got that right? So now you're taking over Friday night. I'm surprised they don't do Saturday night either. I'm surprised they just don't try to well, just, they, you know, hog every single last they, they, day. They, they, they can't. Because you'll go Thursday, Friday. Yeah. By, you'll go Sunday, and then Monday. Well, the reason that they can't is because they are in partners with television networks. So unless the NFL just wanted to be complete pigs and screw over their partners, there are days where they got to get out of the way. And Friday night and Saturday are usually those two days where they kind of take that half a step back until the end of the year where it actually benefits a network partner to have a game on on Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day as we saw last season. So yeah, they, like like ESPN just they I know they have ESPN Plus and we're all getting used to watching stuff on digital or whatever, but there's no way on there over the air that they can bump something from you know a big game on the SEC or one of these big buy games that these teams put together like you know oh it's the kickoff in uh, you know the the Bahamas for Florida <laughs> State and the U or whatever yeah let's go to Ireland. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Notre Dame they, and BC. So the NFL <laughs> does have to take certain days off. But the way I heard that, it's not a Friday night game. It's one of the Thursday season openers in another country. 
What? That's, so it's actually unless I miss. Well, that, the Eagles are playing right, so it's so and, it's and I know oh, that's some, interesting. Some folks in the Twitch chat, I think it was Dad O'Dank, who was like, "So the season opener won't even be in the U.S. or at least one of those two. We actually are going to play it on Friday night of our kickoff weekend. My bad. We both heard the same thing, but well, listening is a skill. Something, something to that effect. Hearing's a sense. Listening's yeah, a skill. Go. Well, you should start practicing what we preach. Well, Here, I, wonder, it, it, I, I, I wonder the timing on that. Number one, I don't know the time change difference. I don't know if there's like when you go to Germany, we know there's like X amount of difference. I don't know. I, I don't know what. It, but I, I'm, what a I'm nightmare. Assuming for Brazil, they must be East Coast time. I so, think, uh, so that's a Friday night game. Two thirty p.m. Right it's, now, it's two thirty p.m. Right it's now, only two hours difference. Okay, so it's two hours ahead. Got it. Um, I I don't want to like hijack this segment because I want to get oh, the gambling no. aspect of it. But just real quick question. Yeah, yeah. Please. And it's it maybe it's a longer answer. I guess good or bad for the league. Oh, it's great for the league. Yeah. I mean, it it does it suck for us? Yeah, but you know what. They've never denied me a game on television, I know, or a streaming app or whatever. Like, I know that I can see the product if I want to see it. I think if it were a home team, if it were the Patriots having to go to Brazil, then we might be like, oh, man, I, I hope they I hate that. The one thing I would add, I, I hope they would bring that European soccer flair to the games. Brazil soccer is obviously, like, their number one sport. And mm-hmm. you, if you see those games... On TV with the flags and the fireworks and the smoke and it just it's an insane oh, there. Yeah, it's a, That's what I want to see. You want? I want to see that. You want it to be like uh, it, it's a carnival. That's what yeah, you want. yeah. Of course, you want carnival around this. It wouldn't game. hurt. Wonder if it'll be the first game that Tom Brady will be sent to call on television. Ooh, so it's the Eagles. So it's a maybe it's a Fox. It's so NFC is Fox, but he's going back to maybe. Where it all started. Mm. Where life changed <laughs> for him. Uh, <laughs> He'll get too sentimental. They're going to have to like hold. You know what? I was going to give you this game, but probably should start somewhere else. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, we'll put you in. Uh, no, don't don't worry. We'll get you in yeah. Dallas for week one. Yeah. Um, Roger Goodell talking about gambling. Oh, God. This drove me nuts. But I think the, the harm is potentially to... Uh, two things, the game itself, that we talked about before, the integrity of the game. We want to make sure it doesn't harm the game, that people, when they're watching an NFL game, they know the action on the field is genuine and without any outside influence, number one, and that's one, two, and three. So on one of the most important weekends of the NFL year, my guy Billy Sparrow sent this to me. He uh he was all over this breakdown. A record 67.8 million Americans will bet 23.1 billion on Super Bowl 58 according to an American gaming survey. And this is the weekend, Roger Goodell, that you go down the road of integrity and all this kind of stuff when no one to my knowledge Christian and I'm a better obviously I'm not sat there watching a game and saying something isn't right about that. Now, I know there are lots of people calling to question the officials, but NFL and NBA officials have been sketch for a while. I'm not talking about sketches and they're on the take, as in sketchy as in their performances are wildly inconsistent at times. But since we have been able to gamble on the NFL, Christian, 
have you sat there over these past couple of years and been like, ah, that ain't right, or ah, that don't look right? And this dope who doesn't know how to bet, I'll bet a billion dollars on Roger Goodell doesn't know. You know what he knows about betting? You're our partner. I'll take your check. That's it. Why are you going down this road before the Super Bowl on the whole, you know, get it right and integrity and da-da-da? How about pump up the fact that you haven't had anything happen? That the only thing that has happened have been you busted some people for making a bet on DraftKings inside an NFL facility. They should be pumping up the fact that their game has been scandal-free, and instead this dum-dum is still entrenched in 2000 talk. When it comes to gambling. Yeah, so he did go on to say that um, about 25 league employees had violated the league's gambling policy. Now, these are league employees, executives, like somewhere, some someplace. Um, they do not affect what happens on the field. While roughly 13 players. Now, roughly seems like a weird word to use. Or was it 13 or was it like 14? <laughs> 13 players have faced discipline. So here's the thing, though. Um, it's not. It doesn't matter. Um, and integrity is always the buzzword that he's always going to use with everything. He uses it in any situation and any issue that they have. It's always integrity, integrity, integrity. Well, you know, part of the reason Goodell still hammers that is because when PASPA was repealed, these greedy NFL owners, and this was a pure act of greed, where they tried to hold up these states for an in integrity fee that's what the nfl wanted they wanted the states or the gambling apps to pay them by state on well we're producing the product that you're betting yeah, on and we're it's going to so cost us a lot to make sure it's safe and clean uh, and nobody's cheating allegedly right yeah, yeah so you yeah. should pay us to monitor sure. that right now yeah that's what they tried to roll out okay. now again what the integrity a lot of, of the game what a, what a lot of states countered back with is Listen, get out of here, number one. Take a walk. Right. You know what? Have your lobbyists come in. I'll have a nice dinner at Morton's, and then we'll tell them to leave town. But they didn't get their extra money from the whole integrity fee. So now that's a big thing that they've harped on, when in reality, they probably got more money coming in at the end of the day with everybody in their local sports books and the the big deal with DraftKings and all that kind of stuff. Like, they still got their pot of money, but this has been a big thing with Goodell from the beginning. And I don't know, he should be going the other way and pumping it up. But, yeah, so they tried to basically extort every state that was going to do this, that was going to allow sports betting. I remember when they, you know, they, I remember when they sent the uh, the lobbyists down to Rhode Island. It's an easy group to be able to find. Oh, free dinner? I mean, those people that work in state government down there, are you kidding me? They, they dropped trial for a, for a day. Yeah, I get to go to Morton's? Oh, are you kidding me? Sure, I'll listen to your whatnot or what. And even them down there. Even those people down there had enough sense to be like, get out. So, but I that was one. Of the, that was one aspect of it. Yeah, I yeah. got to play this for you because uh, I still don't believe it. Because he's part of the he's part of this script, the oh. whole Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey script. So, of course, every single Kansas City Chief player was asked about Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift in some capacity. And obviously, the whole scripted commercial at the beginning of the season, nobody understood or realized that Taylor Swift would be part of it. So they had to ask Roger Goodell about it. 
What do you say to those who think it's all scripted by the NFL? I don't think I'm that good a scripter um, or anybody on our staff. I, I, I think it's, you know, I, listen, <laughs> there is no way that I could have scripted that one. Let's just put it that way. But she is, um, or anybody in our office, she's, she's a remarkable performer. She knows great entertainment. I had the opportunity to go to two of her concerts with our girls and my wife, she she's the best of the best, and and mm. so having her come to NFL games, have her a part of that, is nothing but a positive. See, first of all, he's not aware of who's writing the script. It's kept in secret. Nobody knows. He just somebody like just says, "Hey, let's do this," and he's got to play dumb. He's got to play silly. Of course, nobody on your staff, nobody on your staff could do that. You couldn't do it. You hired people that you hired professional writers to do this during the strike. No one there's on a your, whole writer strike. No one on your staff got it right. My staff, <laughs> my staff. I am still correct. Oh, you mean you're just moving the goalposts no, every I'm time? Not moving them. This it's is like a what, Patriots is, coaching search. This is how ah, we want somebody who knows. Call the red herring. You know they they think uh, you're doing one yeah, thing yeah. and then they pull the. I thought away. Well, listen, he's uh, saying he's admitting have, it. You believe him? No one has done a better job of trying to deflect this than you, because <laughs> you were so it. entrenched. I do believe your initial thought was <laughs> this won't make the season. End quote. Uh, can't confirm or deny that's exactly what I said. Mm. Um, there's obviously no record of it. I um, do believe a total sham was yeah. uttered out of your mouth. Well, but again, you have to realize sometimes when actors go on set and they have to play roles, they fall in love with each other. That happens. Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. So they found they fell in love. And they weren't supposed to. They were playing characters, and this is basically the same thing. You just don't want to. Like, you just you should just you know be part of the conspiracy theory that exists. Well, the only one that you've concocted is the one in your own head. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe it for a second. Come on. There's no way this. There's no way this ends well. She's you... going to end up crying. There's going to be a song about him being a jerk. You know what's going to happen. Unsupportive. Okay. He didn't go to the Grammys. There'll be some line about not you know going what? to the Grammys. Jay-Z was attacking me. Where were you? Yeah. We're going to have to do... Um, what, we're going to have to have like a poll of one of two things. What is more What is more likely to happen? Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift on the, we're going to Disney World, or that they break up right after the Super Bowl? Well, he's I see the answer. This is the hard part because listen, the script, the, the movie ends. Now the it's movie done. doesn't end. No, it, no, the, the, it ends to, with the Super Bowl. It, it ends. That's how it credits Finn. Whatever they say, it's like you know. When they go to it. Disney World together, there's no, there's no fiend. They just sit there and they look at each other. It's like, hey, you want to give this a try for real, for real, for real? No, you know what Taylor says, Travis. I got, uh, I got a couple more shows over in uh, Luchtenberg. Hop on the plane with me. Screw this other Be stuff. Be a kept man. Your season's over. Come on. Come enjoy your summer. Hold my purse. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Eh. You'd rummage through it first. Eh. I wouldn't. Look in there. I'm assuming Taylor Swift does not carry mounds of cash. Even though she was whipping out $50 bills. Was she? Tips down to Gillette, apparently. Really? Well, there were like people who were behind the scenes or whatever, and it was like, here, peeling nice. off. There's the people bringing drinks to the suite. I think she only had hundreds. Yeah, something like uh, even that. Even better. I mean, that's... Now, see, that, the reason to like her. 
She comes prepared with cash. It's like, oh, geez, sorry. Well, I don't have any cash. And she's Somebody. not cheap. No, either. of it's course. Too. She realizes how hard those people are working. Do you know how hard our salespeople work to avoid the end of the night of the girl that brings the stuff and the drinks to the box and <laughs> how they don't want to be anywhere yeah. around? Jeez, I uh, forgot. Yeah, uh, right? You know, everybody, can I Venmo you? Everybody mm. looks at Mike Thomas and they're like, hey, Mike, you got this one. They're like, oh, I forgot my one. Alligator yeah. arms. Yeah, exactly. I mean, good. You think Ken Laird said, don't worry about this one, boss. I'll, I'll get this tip. It's built in. The tip's built in, guys. You can just leave. <laughs> built it into the cost. That's what it is. That's what it should be. Oh, it is time for a lighter side of sports if you smell what we're cooking. Next. And now, the lighter side of sports. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. With the two twinkle toes themselves, Gresh and Fourier. Is cooking. Oh, yeah. It's time for Lighter Side of Sports. Tomorrow's about Wake 180 Weight Loss. Need to do a 180 with your weight or you want to look like The Rock? Well, I can't guarantee you those results. However, you need to lose weight. Book an appointment today with my friends at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. You know, The Rock was in the news last week for you. I don't know if you uh, saw this or uh, or new not. New football but, league, new collaboration uh, between leagues. Little little bit of everything for The uh, for the Rock. So within the last, I would, what, uh, 10 days or so, uh, The Rock no longer has to try to jam his real name in there, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Because uh, The Rock got control of the IP, The Rock. Mm -hmm. So, like, whenever they were doing that show on TV, The Young Rock, Mm -hmm. WWE got a kickback on that because of the IP and all that. So, The Rock joined the board of directors at TKO as they kicked Vince McMahon out of it. Uh, He got $30 million to join the board and control of his own intellectual property. So then WWE ends up having uh, the Royal Rumble. Billy and I had talked about it. We thought, here are the people who could win, da-da-da. CM Punk ends up tearing his uh, bicep in that, or his tricep in that match. He's going to be out for like eight months. And WWE created some controversy because they moved people around because of CM Punk getting hurt for WrestleMania. And now fans are all upset Cody Rhodes gets bumped from his spot against Roman Reigns because The Rock came back. And I never would have thought the WWE would have found a way to get people mad at The Rock for really no reason. All he did was show up and supposedly, according to some, take Cody Rhodes' spot. That he had the real wrestling fans are into this guy. Like they rolled him out of WrestleMania two years ago, sight unseen. His music at the place went crazy. This guy's a popular dude, according to uh, some. The Rock is coming back, and he's screwing it all up now. So they don't like what the Rock is cooking. They don't. Now here's the thing: <laughs> Have you seen the Rock recently? Billy, you've seen The Rock recently, obviously, right? Absolutely. Like when The Rock came out for the the whole He's thing, SmackDown and Roman Reigns, he looked unbelievable when they were announcing all this other stuff. And then they have him come out on Friday Night SmackDown last Friday. And I mean, Christian, I is novelty big. He is. He, you know what he yeah, is? He's crossed over to like you know hardcore bodybuilder. Well, type. you know what it is. Uh, there's the joke of oh, he looks like an action figure. He looks 
V-cut, like, a real-life right. action And when figure. he showed up the other day, like, I don't know if it was just because he's extra jacked from when he was there a couple weeks ago or the way his shirt was cut, but he was a different level of jacked when he was on TV the other night. I mean, Christian, I don't know if you have his ever... His tendons are just begging to oh, rupture. Oh, they are. And, Billy, his... Muscles v- look great. Tendons about barely... <laughs> like, his, They can't carry the weight. His V-cut on his back... Looks like he was training for like the the Arnold uh, Classic yeah. or whatever. No, he he is cross. So he's one of those guys that started off football strong, got into wrestling shape, did the movie star superhero action figure thing. Yep, and then he trained so much that he's becoming like a Mister Olympia. He's he's he, almost too big. You know what it is? Is uh, yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, He's in among the rare too profe- much creatine. No, but he's in the among the rare professions where, like, if you're going to be in Hollywood, you know, even Jonah Hill cleaned up. You know, yeah, what but I mean? even like, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of like he kind of got rid. He was never he was proportionally you know large, cut, right. but he was not like in his heyday where he was you know flexing and you know and, and in, doing in all competitions. That. Yeah, yeah. And then the thing with the Rock is that it is once you get that big. I think you just look silly in clothes. Yeah, I, 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 and and when you look that good, why wouldn't you walk around with your shirt off all the time? Well, that's time the only anyway. thing you can do because nothing, like his suits are just nothing looks good when he's in a suit. Well, you know what it is. I think for the acting with The Rock, he's in shape, but he leans out a little bit. And now that he's getting ready to like take bumps and go back into the ring and all that stuff, uh, or at least that's what it seems like is going to happen. Uh, you could see him bulking up. A, a little bit because he knows he's going to put his body through it. And again, he's a 51 year old man or something like that. Who's just going to jump right back in there at the highest level, entertain the hell out of everybody. I mean, it's not like the guy doesn't know how to wrestle or perform or anything like that. It's the whole, can your body hold up? I'm, Billy, amazed, I'm amazed he's doing it. Billy. Oh, I'm not. W. Uh, uh, here's the reason why it's so much easier being an actor and having a stunt double. WWE is uh, just flexing right now. Like again, just domestically, they secured eight hundred ten million dollars a year starting next year for all three of their television programs, which is crazy. Billy, are you upset? The Rock is back. You would think fans would be rejoicing, but they even the to, average fan is yeah, kind of holding no, their nose. And I'm not a Cody guy, but I think it's kind of a uh, bad look for him to just show up and put himself in the main event. Yeah. But and again, I, I understand why they do it. The Rock can go on Good Morning America, can go on ESPN that's to right. plug the massive event that is WrestleMania. So maybe they just see it as a business move in the sense that this is who we're going to put out there to talk about this and try to get the casual fan to tune in to WrestleMania. Yeah, and I know that WrestleMania is going to, like, WWE is going to, like, change uh, networks or online affiliations and stuff like that, but to use The Rock is the way to get it out there. Here's the other thing, too. Right now, WWE needs some good publicity after the Vince McMahon thing, and the easiest way to do it is The Rock, number one, and create controversy. One of the guys who ran the old wrestling league, uh, WCW, wrote a book, Controversy Creates Cash. The controversy for WWE was taking away cash, so they had to get some storyline controversy to get people off the scent. Will you watch WrestleMania because of The Rock? Considering no. people have told you you look like The Rock. Well, they would have to literally tell oh. me exactly people. Uh, people have. It's it's a thing. Oh, the old straw man. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic sports radio. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm gaslighting uh, him to no, get him to talk about no, wrestling. No. You know, it's, it's like hey, in the back like of my head. Rock. Look, your hair color is somewhat the same if you were bald. Uh, <laughs> he was in Jerry Maguire. Yeah. No, no. That's John Cena who's got yeah. the bald spot. Wait, were now. you a stunt double? Yeah. yeah I wish I could be. I actually looked it up. Fairy? Do you we're know not- who The Rock's stunt double in real life is? His, uh, One of his friends. His ex-wife's brother. His ex-wife. So he's in that UFL football league. Yeah. The Rock is in business with his ex-wife yeah. in it. How do you do that? Everybody who's divorced is sitting there going, ah, not me. Don't trust it. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You're, you're kind of freaking out. Bruins are back tonight. And do we know what is coming up at 3 o'clock on Thursday? Anyone caught wind of that? Anyone? We'll get to it next. Watch us, love us. Just follow WEEI on Twitch. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. So hard trying not to sing and change the words to this right now and get in trouble. 102 Gresh and Fourier here with you. Fourier, how are things in California? How are the family holding up? Apparently uh, in, uh, it wasn't Van Nuys. It was somewhere right. Oh, Burbank. Yeah. Got uh, 14 inches of rain just yesterday in like 26 hours. Do you know that scene from, let me give people an, an idea of like yeah. how bad it is out there. Because the Foyer clan um, right now are not standing out there with umbrellas. Hopefully you, they're not floating away. You know that scene in Terminator 2 where uh, the Terminator jumps his bike into it looks like a, almost like a. Uh, it's like a running canal yeah, almost. Yeah, it's a canal. Yeah. Well, those, those, and they, they, he, you know, he's driving all of he's hitting the thing. He's jumping in there, right? I get a movie credit for that, by the way. Did you really? Well, I just made a movie reference. I it was right. Am I, I wrong? Gresh doesn't know this. And Jeez. I didn't know it. But you know what I'm talking about? That whole scene where they're like, fly, he's flying all over the place and they're going through that. Call it, a, it's like a wash, we would call it, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, where the water runs off yeah, it's from like, the mountain. It's almost it, like rapids. But it's always empty. Oh, right, there's isn't never the same scene where uh, Danny Zuko raced the guy in Greece. Different. They actually shut that down. <laughs> yeah, good, that's good not the same. That's not the same. No, 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 no. That one's good. much bigger and wider. These smaller ones, like the one in the, the movie Terminator, are th- all throughout the valley. Yeah, come down the water, comes down from the mountains, whatever, and it's washed into the ocean, wherever the hell it goes. But the one he's talking about is much bigger, and it's never. I didn't see a picture of this one, but that one was to the top. Like, it looked like some crazy rapids you would see in, like, Colorado or something. Like, it was nuts. It was insane. There was just brown, nasty water uh, all the way to the top. So, uh, I just looked now on the radar, and apparently that thing is, like, stalled out over L.A. Yeah. Like, there were, there were, were, I was reading some stuff this morning that apparently they, they thought, like, on the high end, some of these places might get, you know, 14 inches of rain or whatever. Now, they're talking about more like 20, 21, 20. Like, I have heart palpitations just thinking about it and thinking about if, God forbid, we had a storm that sat over us for three days and it was just rain. And I'm talking about like 20 inches of rain, something just ungodly, how much of a mess it would create here. And then you throw in that it's one of the driest parts of the country. People are slip sliding all over the place. I already saw like... Mud slide. Forget oh, yeah, a mud yeah, slide. Yeah. It's like a landslide, yeah. Christian. It's yeah. not just mud. <laughs> I know. Like, it is crazy what's going on out there, and it's caused rain in Vegas. So, we're not there, but the last two days has been raining out there. Wham. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. I'm stuck in my hotel. It looks like a giant Dorito. How about Curran going to Top Golf three nights in a row with all the stuff is- that goes on in Vegas? Why in the world? 
Would you go to Top Golf? Why? Well, number one, he is a he's a loyal married individual. Uh, there is that. Like, I mean, you people who are married go to okay. Vegas, don't looking to cheat on their wives. So then, what sort of entertainment are you referring to? Then there's tons of shows. There's roller coasters. There's uh He's got TV to do. There's well, he again, he has time to go to Top Golf. I'm just saying, you go. It's like it's also nearby. They built it right near MGM, where kind of the intersection of everything is there, where where they're going to knock down the Tropicana. You play poker. You know what? Maybe a man of maybe a man with three kids doesn't have the money or the wherewithal to want to throw it away on a couple of hands. Lots of of great restaurants out there. He said he had a steak. I just feel like you're uh, judging Tommy for. Not going out and doing what you would do, and if I asked what you would do, no. I don't know if you would give me a clear no. answer. I, well, I listen. I'm not even going to answer that. How about Ben McAdoo joins the Patriots? How about that? <laughs> How about that? What do you think? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Ben McAdoo's no. here. What do you think? No, we tease Bruins. Big Bruins night. No, Bruins back, but back playing again. We the will get Boston to the Bruins. We will get to the Bruins though. But Ben McAdoo has come aboard. Uh, I know that uh, Tommy was of the. Hey, listen, this isn't a great offense. What kind of coaches do you expect? Da da da. Sorry, I would have expected the guy that had it written in his contract that he was next in line to have a clue, not praying to God certain people walk through the door. So, should we look at Ben McAdoo as if we are fortunate to have him? Hmm. Or is this a guy who couldn't get any other real offensive gig and just is kind of here because he happened to walk through the door and had some credentials? All right, so let's do this, all right? And you tell me. All right, so Michael Hurley uh, 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 listed out the last four offenses McAdoo has run or worked on. Mm-hmm. Okay, you tell me if this is a big deal or not. Uh, let's go back to let's go back to 2016 as when he was the head coach of the Giants. Yep, that offense, 25th in yards, 26th in points. 2017, still the head coach of the Giants, 21st in yards, 31st in points. They actually got worse the next year. 2020, uh, ja- uh, Jaguars, he was the quarterback's coach. 28th in yards, 30th in points. Mm. feel like uh, points are hard to come by with this guy. 2022 <sighs> Panthers, he was all, he was the os- offensive coordinator. So basically three of the last four offenses that he has been involved with, he's either been the head coach slash offensive coordinator or just literally the offensive coordinator. 2022 with the Panthers, 29th in yards, and 20th in points. That is not Something good. To be, not great, Bob. No. So, I mean, if, listen, I know a lot of people don't follow Ben McAdoo. They're not, you know, watching the NFC, let alone the Giants, only if it's like a preseason game. But that's not impressive. No. That's not anything to be proud of. No. So, in that regard, do you still kind of sit there and go, stupid hire? How, what are they seeing in this guy? What makes them think... Because shouldn't your track record have something to do with what you're doing? Or is it because he's literally just like an assistant slash consultant slash executive and Alex Van Pelt is in charge? Well, uh, your resume doesn't matter as much as long as you have bumped into Sean McVay or he uh, Kyle you. Shanahan. So if you bump and more and more McVay. Uh, so I don't know. It may, maybe that's what we need to do is fly McAdoo to L.A., and try to set it up for McAdoo to be like uh, McVay's driver for a week 
and maybe some of the magic dust will run off because that's what we're looking for. You know those? For. You ever seen those like uh, Benny? I, th- I thought his name was Benny Hinn. He's like a preacher slash healer. That's he, exactly he, who you're talking it, about. It, yeah, that, he puts is that a the hand guy. On, yeah, and actually, the guys fall. Yeah, that gimmick was started yeah. uh, by uh, one of the uh, great Canadians, <laughs> Ernest Angley, back really? in the day. Whenever I'd be uh, uh, watching wrestling in the '80s, they'd always have the. Uh, the Ernest Angley deal would come on. Now there's also Peter Popoff. Oh. Hey, you can get your special Jesus water that I will send directly yeah. to you. Yeah. Sean McVay should do that. Like they, the, the, oh, my here's, God. Here's what they should That's do. That's the greatest idea Gerard ever. Gerard Mayo should send Sean, Ben McAdoo and yes. the entire Patriots yes. offensive staff on a crusade to go. L.A. Yes. Find his home. Yes. Ask him just to touch you. Can he send us some Jesus yes. water? Just say whatever. Hey, whatever you Sean were, McVay just send Jesus it to us. Water. There just you go. touch me once. Like you I see what? him in the crowd. Touch me. And maybe you'll be a, a positively affected you, by it. You win the day. There well, you go. I mean, geez. You have won That's what the, it feels like. I, I, but you're, you're a million percent right. It's as if they don't come from there. They ain't worth a damn. And look. The McAdoo run isn't great, but here's the thing he is. He's at least been a successful enough position coach to get an opportunity as a coordinator and a head coach. So as long as this guy's not here coordinating the offense or coaching the quarterbacks directly, there's no reason McAdoo couldn't fit in as a decent offensive coach that a guy like Alex Van Pelt might be able to bounce a thing or two off of. But to me, Van Pelt's got to be the guy that is, again, never really coordinated an offense, no guarantee of success, but at least they got someone qualified to do the job, unlike Nick Cayley. Wait, so is Ben McAdoo Alex Van Pelt's like a spirit animal? Like, hey, yeah, I know you're doing it wrong. I called offenses. I was wildly successful when I was in charge. I, I was also an offense coordinator, quarterback coach, and I was a head coach slash offensive coordinator. I was doing everything. I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong. You should do it my way. It feels like we're trying to get as many people connected to Green Bay in some way, shape, or form as we can because there aren't enough tight pants McVeigh crew to go around. That's what it kind of just, that's my gut sort of feel right now. I would have rolled into my interview with tight pants on. Who maybe that's how Ben McAdoo got the job. Probably how I would do. Wow. This hey, I've never coached Look the way he guy, dresses. I can look at him. He, he dresses yeah. just like us. Slick the hair back. Look trim at him. up the mustache. Well, that's, a, that's new. I've never seen that before. My goodness. Well, the Bruins are going to put the old uh, hockey pants back on tonight when uh, they take on Calgary over at the uh, Garden. And uh, Fluto Shinzawa in the uh, Athletic has a uh, nice little story today on the Bruins kind of cranking it back up, how the uh, Bees entered the game against the Flames with a 12-2-3 record since the holiday break. Uh, But Fluto also writes about a couple of things the Bruins might be looking to do heading into the trade deadline. Now, I did, just quickly as an aside, mention what's coming up on Thursday. Thursday, 3 o'clock, NBA trade deadline. So we're going to have to start wow, putting that, our... that kind of snuck up on the, me. Exactly. Put your ears on for maybe, hopefully, Brad Stevens pulls another rabbit out of the hat and figures out how to 
you know, take, Add to this team. take this guy at the end of the bench in a first-round pick, and it turns into an all-star. You know, that's just the way. They have to get really creative, though, because they're in the second apron, and they can only use so yeah. much of their TPE for certain guys. And, yeah, that's the thing. Like, so just quickly on this, they so if, who is it, Gordon Hayward gets into the buyout market, it's a non-starter. The Celtics can't sign him because his salary was too high relative to the way they calculate the, the you know, whether it's a TPE I or think a, the only guys they can sign are mid-level exception guys that get bought out that can then sign for the league minimum. It's, right. Uh, popsicle headache. Trying it, to it, it, it very much so. But I hate the NBA trade deadline with uh, TPEs. But I basically, Gordon Hayward makes too much money for the Celtics to be able to then turn around and get him. So back to the Bruins here. Here's what Fluto said that the Bruins should be, like, looking for, right? Acquire an impact wing. And then wrote, ideally, the Bruins would acquire a center, both for today and tomorrow. Elias Lindholm would have fit the profile perfectly as a two-way right-shot pivot. And then he goes on to talk about the the price that was paid by other teams in a, in trades earlier this year and uh, how they would love to kind of uh, identify depth. This is one I admit I didn't think about Fourier. Identify who to trade. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a really astute observation from a guy like Fluto because there are certain options in terms of people that you'd be willing to move on from. It's identify who to trade. To me, that is who are the guys I want to keep. Like, I don't want Matty Potra going anywhere. You know, that's one of the guys that I'd love to see them sit on. And then there's the kids, Fabian Lysel, yep. Mason Lurie, people like that. Uh, Fluto said maintain their identity, which I don't think will be that hard to do, even if you bring in a piece. And then the last one is continue the bottom six competition. That's an interesting one, too, because it felt like, Christian, that, you know, 10-plus years ago when the Bruins were getting that cup, there was a lot made of the fourth line, and some people would joke about, ah, oh, no one counts on their fourth line more than Claude Julian and, duh, 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 and stuff like that. And now we're kind of looking at it as a, as how can we find a way to create competition to keep these young guys motivated or to try to get certain people to push through. So I almost feel like, you know, a decade later, there's been a, a pretty big organizational shift and a bit of a mind shift in terms of hockey as well. Where, you know, 30 years ago, your fourth line guys were all goons or people who'd protect your superstar. Now your fourth line guys have got to be much more functional than just, you know, going out there looking to give somebody a clothesline. Yeah, nothing about the goal, uh, the goaltenders. Interesting. <laughs> nothing. It mentions them at the very end of the article, but like those are the, your probably your, that's probably your best commodity. It kind of feels like they're sort of entrenched on still going with yeah. both of them. I thought at some point Linus would be traded in part because you're going to get something else. Maybe they feel it leaves them too naked at the position. I mean, the Bruins really are based around the goalies when you really think about it. feels like an offseason move. I kind of think you're right, Nick, because maybe the the money spot and all, you know, what has to happen. Well, God forbid one of them gets hurt in the playoffs, and now you're left with Brandon No, Pussy. I mean, there is that. And at some point, they are going to have to cross that bridge, and maybe next year is it. Uh, I think the other part of it, too, is is the... You know, this is who the Bruins are. It wouldn't be like ripping their guts out or anything like that. But if you ended up flipping one of, well, really, Linus and getting a piece who makes a couple of bucks, you might be able to get someone in here for the now and the future. But I'm kind of with Nick. It feels like it's a little early. 
match it up in the offseason to where you get somebody with a bigger salary and then uh, maybe kind of go from there. Uh, speaking of the NBA trade deadline, 3 o'clock, the only rumor I, I saw out there of interest, and has nothing to do with the Celtics, Milwaukee uh, discussing uh, Bobby Portis with Dallas for Grant Williams. Imagine <laughs> Grant Williams a Milwaukee Buck for you. <laughs> My God! I mean, imagine that would that spice uh, up the postseason, would it not? Grant, job, Doc Rivers, and Grant Doc Williams. Rivers and Grant Williams against, and I then mean, you would literally, hopefully, see him in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals too. That would be glorious. That would uh, that would uh, definitely be something. Um, I cannot believe Gus Johnson made a major error on national television, and we're just catching wind of it today. Funny as all get out, and. The Taylor Swift-related prop bets. Can I get Fourier's head to explode? And we do have a real story about the safety of Taylor Swift that needs to be uh, brought up as well. You're listening to Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. We're going to get a story about Jalen Brown in here as well. I can't believe here. we forgot about this story. This ah, is this is, this is the <laughs> best thing I've ever heard involving the NBA All-Star Game. Oh, That's all I, I'll say. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, the best thing you ever heard for uh, women's basketball, considering there is no one at our radio station that is better qualified to talk about the women's game than you, considering you have a kid who plays <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, over the weekend, and this was on Saturday night, uh, and I know there was supposed to be like the NASCAR race from LA and they moved some things around or whatever. And it might've been on a different channel, but, uh, there was a nationally televised women's game where Caitlin Clark, who is arguably and along with Angel Reese, probably the best female college basketball players in all the land right now. Uh, but it was Caitlin Clark and Iowa traveling to Maryland. So they're in college park and it's a big to do. And you know, national television this is a big deal for not only women's college basketball but women's sports you know the the big 10 all that stuff and they got gus johnson cussing on the air and here comes sellers nice look inside great position no call on the play as rihanna alexander had her block her shot block excuse me Boy, it's really amazing the best. how those tricky the vowels best. get in the way, that's, right? And I versus an O creates a whole new word. That's why if uh, that's really what you, oh man, you just got your. <laughs> Alexander had her <laughs> I mean, he is a he is a well versed, experienced, long time. He's a really good play by play guy. Yeah, I, I, I like him. I, I personally like some people don't. I know because he gets a, crazy. I'm not a huge fan, but I respect that the guy has. A he's got his ton style. Of really good gigs. Yeah, he's, he's got, got his style, style right? And it, I think it plays for the most part. He's always yelling, he's screaming. Be authentic. And he's, and he's got some uh, some one liners that work. This one is this classic. He's just like like he's calling the game in his backyard. Oh man, you just got your bleep and he smacked out of the gym. You got that ish block. I would say that if he did his, if he didn't correct himself, no. I don't think anyone really would have. And I mean, I'm sure somebody would have said, oh, do you hear what he said? But he caught himself right away. And I would dare say <laughs> that if that was Kansas and Duke on national television, him saying that probably would have went viral real quick. And if it did go viral off the women's game, I'll be the first one to admit that I missed it until today. That's Billy great. Billy was the one who found it. Uh, fantastic job by... Looking. Middleton! Oh! 
Yo! Who's the other guy screaming? I have no idea. Well, that idea. wasn't Gus Johnson. Uh, well, no. It was- oh! Chris Middleton! <laughs> what a shot! <laughs> That's absolutely Gus Johnson. That guy is just... Ah, I know you don't like him. That's fine. Oh, I think he's funny. I, you know uh, what I think it he's is? funny. I think he's such a caricature of himself. It's almost he's like over the top. It's it, it. That's the thing. There are times to be over the top. Not when a guy hits a half court shot in a game on a Wednesday night in Detroit. <laughs> hey, they're all. Hey, they're all special to him. I'm sure they're they all special. Are. They're all unique. They're all and they're all important. But and he, the players need to know that he was cussing. I mean, it is kind of funny the whole. Because you're right, he did it as if it were uh, HBO after dark. Yeah, it's dude. like if and, and here's the thing: play. if he is going to do it and slip up, I think all of us deserve like a a break. Oh, just everybody! In case. If Gus, Gus yeah, well, I mean, he's the best. The, he's one of considered one of the best. Well, I mean, geez, look at him. He slipped up. Don't be mad at me. I'm just doing what I'm told. Oh! Yo, look at this guy, man! <laughs> look at this. Dude. What was that from? That was when Wiggy Wiggy's first uh, that, when he walked his press conference. Yeah, day? that was Wiggy's oh, press right. conference day, and he walked in, and oh. you started, you you lost it multiple yeah. times. That was funny. That is true. There were multiples in there. Hey, uh, Jalen Brown is thinking about doing the dunk contest. Let's go. You know what? Let's go. Thank you. A star, an actual superstar on a good team, a young, capable superstar is actually going to enter the NBA dunk contest. Can I that superstar? Whatever. I mean, it's an all-star. No. Remove the super. All-star. You're here's, right. All-star. No. Here's, Doesn't matter. Here's why I said that to you, though, because this is what's rolling on in my head right now. You asked me, I think it was last week, with Porzingis here and Tatum, this is his town in a lot of ways. How does Jalen Brown find a way to stand out a little differently? This is one of them, is it not? I like it. That's like, a great idea, yeah. I, 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 I only, and, and by the way, I only did the whole superstar thing because it was setting up the uh, how does Jalen Brown try to separate himself in that world, and it's crazy to think that this might be one of those ways of the whole, okay, Jalen, like there'd be a lot of debate as to whether Jalen Brown is or isn't a superstar. However, he goes out and wins the dunk contest, then you're kind of tapping into those old feelings like we used to have with Spud Webb and yes, Dominique and people yes. like that where it's, hey, that guy's really good, but, man, he's also an awesome dunker too, and it just adds to the legend. This is something Jalen Brown probably should have done two years ago. I would say that the, the NBA All-Star game needs this. Like, it, like Didn't the G League guy win it the, the year before? Some, like, some little white guy yeah, there won was it. Yeah, there Mac was a... Mac McClung. There you go, yeah. Mac McClung came up from like the G League. Just for the dunk the contest. Or whatever, yeah. Just for the dunk contest. It's why like, it's completely irrelevant. I think there's this weird, like, hey, I'm better than this mentality with these NBA, I'm going to call them all-stars, fine, where they feel like they're beneath, like the, the dunk contest is beneath them. That's for high school kids, college kids, you know, all-star weekend during the summer. No, I'm not doing that. There needs to be, because they're all afraid of losing it. I don't understand why you'll enter the three-point contest, lose that, but be nervous about 
entering the dunk contest and losing that. I mean, what totally is the difference? What is it? What is what is it like? You get you get more man points for dunking as you do shooting. It's a shooter's league. Nobody dunks anymore. I love the fact that JB might do this. I want to do that like the kids do. Do it, do it, do it. I'm like, with honestly. you too. I feel like this is like you're right though. That's how in, you separate in a, in a way. Like what makes him different? What makes him special? What makes him cool? I mean, because right now, like, there's, there's, I, when I look at Jason, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Brown, I don't go, oh, how cool he is. There's nothing that oozes cool and like I want to be like Jalen Brown. Go in the dunk contest. Go like show that you can jump out of the gym, go, and then you're on one of the the best team in the NBA, and you're willing to throw your throw your reputation out there because who knows? Maybe some some chump who doesn't even play beats you. Here's the other thing. Oh, too. geez, you jump high. You're in the NBA. Okay, you're one of a million. Has Tatum done the dunk contest? I don't think so. No. That's a way to separate from his guy. No, absolutely. You need to go do it. Come on, JB. Oh, yes. You got to win it. You got to win it. Go get that trophy and the the minor check that comes with it. I wonder. Here's the other thing. Um, Listen, I can't give you a list of, like, the best dunkers. And I would say John Morant. Hurt. It's right. He hasn't played, what, in a while. He he came back. Talk junk and then got hurt. Who's again. the kid out of Sacramento? Oh my gosh, I can't remember him. De'Aaron Fox. Him. He can jump out of the gym. Yeah, I mean, he can jump out of the gym. I mean, there are a lot of. I don't want to say there are a lot of Jalen Browns in the league, but I wonder how many guys who are trying to push through play with a Tatum type player where this is a route for them to get their own notoriety. And I'm not talking I think about it's like a, Kenny Walker or people like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's know? a – if that is – because you're sitting there and go, okay, he doesn't need it. Well, he doesn't – He doesn't. Like, career-wise, financially, he doesn't need it. Respect-wise, I think he gets more respect by being a uh, an all-star, playing in the game, yeah. and also doing the dunk contest. Completely agree. I can't remember the last relevant player – to jump into the dunk contest and like try to win. Yeah, I Blake it, Griffin. It's the I'm gonna jump over Kia. Yeah, I mean, Gordon had that. I can't remember who it was against anymore, but they were going back and forth for like ten rounds. And how long ago was that? That was a while Probably ago, right? Nine years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to see. Like, uh, I know they normally only put the winners up there. Like, uh, I I just went to NBA.com to try to find it real quick. Like, they only. He, oh boy. It was Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon in 16. I was going to say, here are your working backwards from last year, okay? Here are the winners of the dunk contest. Just the winners. Mac McClung, Obi Toppin, Anthony Simmons, Derek Jones Jr., Hamadou Diallo, Donovan Mitchell, 2018. There's a superstar. Glenn Robinson III. Zach Levine did go back-to-back. John Wall, Terrence Ross in 2013. I mean, really, they need a Jalen Brown name in there pretty badly. And that's just from the winners. What do the rest of the group look like? <laughs> Yamahama, yeah. Fright Night. No, I wonder if he can make it from the free throw line. Yeah, that's the thing. Go, go. And it, the other thing is, like, what? I always thought, like, you know, everything has been done. Malik Monk, someone said, you oh. might be the guy you're thinking of okay. from the Kings. Okay. Either um, way, they got a couple either of Either way, here's the thing. Like, you don't need any props. You don't need, you know, a mascot. You just you just hang. 
hang in the air. That's what made the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon one so good, though. The mascot was spinning around on one of those hoverboards. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't know. It's just gimmicky this, this, in a way. The showing is too much. I shouldn't have a seven-minute buildup for a yeah. five-second dunk. Yeah, I would just say, you know, not that, you know, it's easy for Spud Webb to look like he's hanging. He's like 5'2". Yeah. Uh, Dominique Wilkins. I mean, we're just this is the, these are classics. It's never going to be the same. Maybe what we should do is have a seven foot and over dunk contest. Th- I I like that one. Um, I also like raise the, the rim. What raise the rim? Raise the rim. I'm not anti. Take, you know, raise the rim and then show me what you can do. Here's I a think ten they, and a half. Then maybe ten, a little bit more, and then eleven. Yeah, it yeah, should I'm be like Billy. it should be like the uh, the NBA's yeah, version round, of name that tune. Each round another half a foot. Yeah, he's got to move it up. Uh, Holy Smoke 603 in the Twitch chat said, if the dunk contest went away, would people really care? It's so washed. No. Uh, they took it away. Bull crap. They took it away once and people revolted. Really? Yes. We were Never talking, missed it. We were talking about this the <laughs> other day. The the two years where the NBA was trying to integrate the WNBA into all this stuff and turned it into like skills challenges and crap like that. Yeah, they get rid of the dunk contest that year. I think they might have even shelved the three-point shootout or tried to incorporate that into a skills challenge. Because I'll tell you, Christian, nothing got me hornier for basketball than watching Becky Hammond and George Gervin with the San Antonio <laughs> yeah. Spur of the Day <laughs> out know. there doing double dribble drills or whatever. Just trying really hard oh, to no. make a difference and be special and unique. It just backfired. They took it away once, and people were like, what the hell is this? And and I I do believe like the ratings for that All Star Saturday night whenever they started to tweak that really cratered. Did they change the rules? Because remember, like uh, I think I thought they changed the rules of the All Star game where it was by quarter, right? Um, you win the quarter, something to that effect. Where it wasn't just like you know, it's just a glorified. It's not even a pickup game. It's shooting practice, dunk contest during a game. Mm-hmm. But so what? Right? Hell, the NFL is playing flag football. So, uh, yeah. Well, who cares? It's an all-star game. It's not supposed to be like a regular game. There's no circumstances that are affecting you one way or the other. So I'm trying to look and see that, um, oh, there it was. In 98, it was in New York City, they did the WNBA-NBA two-ball competition that replaced the slam dunk contest People were like, what the hell is this? So the next year in Philadelphia, it was a lockout-shortened season. There was no All-Star game, hence the two-year window of it being gone. They brought it back in 2000 in Oakland where Vince Carter had an unbelievable performance. And by the way, the year before they got rid of the dunk contest in 98, do you know who won it that year? Kobe. Kobe freaking Bryant wins the dunk contest, and someone on Fifth Avenue in the NBA said, we should take this away. What are you doing? Good Lord. So anyway, uh, I know we're not going to get to the Taylor Swift props, which I'm devastated, but they're sitting here, and we can get to them uh, all week because we have a bigger Taylor Swift story, uh, Christian, for you. Really? Well, you know, I know a little bit about getting hit with a cease and desist, but it's not for tracking Taylor Swift's jet all over the globe. So Taylor's lawyers told a college student who tracks celebrity jets online to cut it out or face risking legal action. Something made crystal clear 
in a letter they fired off to him. According to the Washington Post, a University of Central Florida student, Jack Sweeney, received a C&D from Taylor's camp in December this past year, which told him in no uncertain terms he needed to stop posting Taylor's whereabouts <laughs> on his social pages. Uh, and this thing goes on and on. Um, but it's amazing that, you know, this poor woman's just trying to live her life. She's just trying to live her life. She's just trying to be, you know, she's trying to be like everybody else. Mrs. She just Travis Kelsey in a jet. She just has access to stuff that Here's we don't. Here's the thing, like so, uh, so it's so a thousand people do the same thing with her jet plane, whatever the hell she's they're tracking. Uh, they're going to send cease and desist letters to all of them. Uh, well, it doesn't sound like a lawsuit has been filed yet, but Taylor's camp is threatening one if the guy keeps at it. And I would dare say, yeah. Because once you do one, then you've established the precedent of being able to try to get everybody else shut down in a way. But then you're also tying in Twitter or Instagram. And look, Taylor Swift's got plenty of money to be able to fight that kind of stuff. We would never be able to fight against Facebook or Instagram or any of the social media stuff. She's got money. I mean, good Lord. She'd probably just take the money she made at the Tokyo Dome on Mm. Friday night before the Super Bowl and be able to have... Two and a half years of legal fight uh, against what a college kid? What's he going to do? She found out the guy's name that was posting those AI pictures of her almost immediately. Yeah, she's got a forensic team that, you know, would probably rival what is in like some small governments. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, your local state, uh, you know, FBI unit could probably couldn't get as much information. I always love the folks like in the Twitch chat who were like private jet dinks, like you'd really pass on one if you could go. Like, that's always the funny thing. These private jet people, dinks. Oh, I got to fly a commercial. Oh, really? So would Cannot you not get on a private so, jet fast enough. So would you hop on a PJ? Of course I would. God dang it. <laughs> I could not get on. And then there and then there are the ones who are like, no, because it stands for bad. Yeah. No, the only thing bad is uh, landing, walking off the plane with your stuff and leaving. <laughs> no, uh, no uh, security, no TSA. No uh, Momo's in there no, being like, oh, is this my bag? Bring whatever you want. Yeah, buddy, you touched my bag. Yeah. That's the wrong bag. Yeah, all that crap. Yeah. The best. Uh, never done it. But at some point, eventually, maybe when I'm dead, that'd be the thing. I'll die in a foreign country. They'll have to and fly my, your body back yeah, in a and private my, jet. My private, yeah, my, my only ride on a private jet I've checked out. That's about right. We're going to check out with some Are You Done next. Tell your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Now, it's time for... Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? On Gresh and Fourier. Tomorrow, Andy Hart will join us at 1220. We'll have a little uh, B's recap, a C's preview who might join the Patriots staff, and maybe a little actual Super Bowl talk. Like, there is a game to be played. There is. And what's at, mistake for, what's at stake for Mahomes? Is this a LeBron Jordan moment for him? Is this a Brady Manning moment for him? Mull it over, friend, and we'll get to it tomorrow. Because right now, Billy Lanny, are you done? I am not done. Yes. So I got this from the New York Post. There was the uh, there was a survey done by the Pew Research Center, P E W Research Center, and they uh, they surveyed. 
12,000 adults, <laughs> and they ask them, what is America's pastime? Okay. Um, and it's all sports. It's nothing. Oh, no, okay. It's not no, like no, apple pie. Nothing, not no, like, no, it's nothing like that. Yeah, it's, it's not it's like basics. going to Hand Central Station. Yeah, exactly. So for a million years, baseball <laughs> is America's pastime. But according to this, it's football. Ooh, of course. At 53% Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if it was baseball at one point in time, it's football has completely taken it over. Oh, I would say... Not even close. I would say even... I'm surprised it's only 53%. I would say if you even just go from 2000 and beyond, because that would have put me three years into doing this stuff. At one point in time, baseball did kind of rule the day. Like, you know, I'm trying to remember, like, the McGuire-Sosa home run race. Man, it was hard to kind of, you know, knock that off the front page. And then football started to take over. And at least around here, once the Red Sox won, everything kind of changed from that end, I too. feel like that number is low. No, that's Are there right. any other answers? What are the other yep, answers? Okay, so baseball finished at 27% in second place. Really? Okay. Basketball got 8%. Not surprised. Mm-hmm. Soccer got 3%. Not oh, surprised. my God. Auto racing got 3%. <laughs> I love it. Hockey got 1%. Oh. And, quote, something else got 2%. I'm still waiting for lacrosse to wow. take over as a pastime because everyone keeps telling me everyone's leaving football and they're playing lacrosse. Kids aren't playing baseball. They're playing lacrosse. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, when is, it gonna, when is it lacrosse finally going to be part of the you know the general conversation? Coop, we need to give... Coop, we need to give Twitch audio, please. Thank you. Uh, so that doesn't, I guess that makes sense. I just thought that baseball would be more like 15%. Oh, no. Like, I feel like football would just dominate. See, no, the I, older I'll, generation for baseball. Well, and I'll be honest, around here, we're one of the places where hockey would not be 1%. But in terms of the general populace, I know we have our X Bear 28 and the people in Twitch who scream they want, you know, third line defense breakdown or whatever. There just aren't a lot of average sports fans that are equipped for that, quite honestly. Hmm. And that's the, you know, it becomes some of the the struggle of talking about hockey in some places. So if uh, if football is obviously now uh, America's pastime, are the Cowboys still America's team? Well, Would that still be considered? Because it was never the Patriots. It was well, never America's game of the week. Well, well with all the success the Patriots have, you would think that they would be America's team, but there's too much... They started off like lovable and likable, and then they turned into just they, they're just, you know, terrible human beings, and they wanted them to lose every single time. Well, but don't you think, though, that when you're first to market, like, what, like, uh, what was it? What is the national pastime? And Billy said it was a 53% football and like 26% baseball, right? How many of those people that answered baseball? Or because it, it it was ingrained in you. Oh, what's the national? Oh, baseball's the national yeah, pastime. Yeah. Just like who's True. America's team? Your answer is the Cowboys. Yeah, I think there's an aspect like a a, a variable of like that. a Pavlovian response. Yeah, to where it they're like, oh yeah, just baseball. Because yeah. like, as soon as he said pastime, I'm I was just actually going to say apple pie. And you know what's funny is that's the word that does it. I think like national pastime, people say baseball. Because it's just been connected to that sport. See, it's interesting, though. If you use the word pastime, I wonder if you just use popular. Right. Okay. And if you changed it, ask the same people. You get and if they responses. would, if you would get a different answer. No doubt. Or what's your favorite sport? Like, you'd probably, maybe hockey's a little bit better. Maybe NASCAR's a little bit 
higher up as far as popularity, your favorite I love sport. NASCAR and I love hockey, but I also understand kind of where they sort of fit in into the general sports landscape of most fans. I, I, I hate to say this. I think there are as many hockey fans as there are the hockey hardo. There are just as many, if not more, fans who will very much pay attention at the end of the season and then in the playoffs. And I know the hockey people hate those people, but that's just really reflective of the kind of society that we live in right now. At least I think so, anyway. Andy Hart tomorrow at 1220. Baldy? Uh, Baldy Thursday. Thursday, okay. I know we moved him around a little bit, so yeah. But uh, Baldy is on uh, Thursday, and of course, we'll have a big Super Bowl breakdown on Friday, get people ready. I think you and I are on opposite sides of this. I smell another losing bet for you. Which is good enough. Let's load it Remember, up. Remember, you 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 should have learned your lesson. What's that? When Quit Kansas City? No, when Kansas City p- played Baltimore, and I said, "Listen, it's the Brady effect." Now you didn't you didn't heed my warning. You lost. I was right. You got to just keep it going. This you'll 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 regret it. It's the it's the Brady effect. It's now Mahomes effect. Even though you think he's going to lose, and you think there's no chance. He ends up winning anyways. Hey, I just want the uh, last pick of the draft to win the Super Bowl so that way I can stump up and down that that's the route the Patriots should go because someone proved it. It can be done. That's what people would say against Belichick all the time. Nobody's so. grabbing uh, uh, Andy Reid's assistance. Well, I wonder why. Well, what do you want his assistance? Hey, uh, what's... Uh, He's more successful than anybody. What's the enemy going to do next year? Maybe he'll be here as a consultant. He can be, he can be our Wednesday football guest. Sweet Jesus. We don't need any of that. <laughs> Chicken, Nick, and Billy producer on the radio. Some went wrong. Blame them. Same for Coop and Digital. Heart tomorrow. All kinds of fun, frivolity, and stupidity. Make sure you join us at 10 a.m. Jones and Mega are next. Thank you for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.